I hate flying, especially UFO style. Me too! We've been recording from the Situation Room since 2009. <laughs> since the fucking Democrats had a supermajority. You're right. Omarosa can fuck off. Hello, and welcome to Fast Acting Ramjack, the Lucidity Solution. Hey everyone, I'm Alex, and joining me today for Ramjack is our good friend, our co-host, Brad. Me! It's me! Guys, I'm here! <laughs> well, hello, friend. Hello, how are you, friend? It's nice that we all can come together in a podcast and just hang out and just forget about the worries of the world for a moment. Ah, uh, so good. So good to not worry about those worries of the world for a moment. By the way, how, how about this fucking world we're in, right? I oh, mean... Very worrisome. Very worrisome. I don't... Guys, forget about that, because today we're going to be talking about a show that you should have already seen, because it is a gem. It's a show we should have been covering this whole fucking month. Yes. Um, but we just discovered it at the end of Animation August, and that is Mr. T, the cartoon. So good, guys. It's so we watched, good. The UFO episode may be one of the craziest, but f- most fun and funny animations that we've seen, maybe ever, on the it show. Is, it is literally the most on-brand Ram Jack episode of anything we've ever watched. Checks all the boxes. Checks oh. all the boxes. Detailed animation, but not... Defying physics animation, yes. Crazy stories, yes. The live action segment, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, great, so great. we're going to cover two episodes of that, so just be prepared. Yes. But before, we've got some things to talk about. There's a lot of goings on that I would like to bring to Brad's attention, again, to help us all cope and understand what we're reading or experiencing. Mm-hmm. But before that, we also want to talk about movies. Yes. Brad... Were you able to? What were you only given two options this last weekend of movies to see through Movie uh, Pass? Through what? Through Movie Pass. So, m- movie what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going through. I'm saying it really, really fast. Movie oh. Past. Oh, I I don't know. I you mean you mean um you mean Slender Pass? Oh, Slender Pass. <laughs> um, guys, I don't know if you know about this um this service that I'm subscribed to. It's it's a it's a movie service where you pay nine ninety five a month mm-hmm. and you get to see Slenderman. Oh. And um, after you see Slenderman, you can log into the app and it tells you that you've already seen Slenderman. It's real oh. crazy. It's uh, it's a real disruptor. <laughs> um, guys, listen, they had me at Slenderman. I was yeah. I had every intention to see Slenderman. Um, I thought about. Even though I had to be at work on Friday morn, I thought maybe Thursday night I'll go see Slenderman. I was like, no, 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 I'll wait. I'll wait till Friday night, and then I'll see Slenderman. So Friday night, I went and saw Slenderman. Um, let's just get out of the way. Um, interesting. Hmm. Not a fun ride, guys. Not a fun oh, ride. Man. It's not not a fun ride, but it's only interesting. Um, and that okay. may be slightly generous. <laughs> There's just not much there. It's... It's cut, it's really by the numbers, and it's not that interesting. Hmm. I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting because there's a research scene where she's trying to learn about Slenderman, and one of the things she comes across is um, a page of research about shadow people, and I was like, shadow people name drop in a movie. All right. <laughs> that just bummed it up from uh, Not a Fun Ride. <sighs> I, I, yeah, I... <sighs> 
did you applaud in the theater? Because that would have been amazing. I, no, that would have scared someone. No, it was it also not a very crowded theater. Not a lot of people were using their Slender app. I mean, so. it was that and Mission Impossible, right? Were the only two that a lot of people got this past weekend. Um, uh, no, it was Slenderman. I all I had for the past three days because I was going to see a movie last night. Um, is Slenderman. But you can't go see it again because you've already seen Slenderman. You can't use it. It's yeah, it's a it's a Slender Pass. I I, I bought a Slender Pass. Um, because as of the day we're recording this, it's the fourteenth of August. Um, as of recording, tomorrow's the day that the new rules take effect. Where um, people renewing as of tomorrow have the thing where they can only see three movies, but a lot of the crazy restrictions have been pulled away. Um, we'll cool. see how that goes. Um, I don't know if I'll get any of those, any of that until my next renewal date, which is the second. Um, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm sticking with this thing for a while, just because even though I only so far have gotten to see Slenderman, that's I still it's still cheaper than if I had just bought a ticket to see Slenderman. That is true. So and hopefully you'll get to see more movies that aren't yeah, Slenderman. I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to see another movie at some point. Um, and I'm like, it's $9.95. Like, it's still, even if I, like, like, obviously if it keeps being shitty at some point, I'm going to bail. Um, but I, I think I'm just going to ride it out till the company's dead. Which could be any day, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. As we've reported every week on this podcast. Um, so we'll see. But uh, um, Slender Pass app... It's on life support. They told us, they specifically said, MoviePass told us, do not unplug me from the machines. And we're just right here with holding the hand of MoviePass. I wanted so much more from that movie. Did not get it. That's unfortunate. I'm sure, with the special effects, okay? Like, would at least, because Slender Man is creepy in its own right. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It was just, it's, it was just, I don't know. It, It was nothing... Nothing that I didn't expect, and it wasn't that interesting, and there weren't... I mean, that's a, it's the same thing that we had with, like, the um, um, the Truth or Dare movie. It's a small group of kids that, like, are there, and, like, the, the kills, and it doesn't even really kill, it just snatches people up, basically. So it's not even, like, I don't know, there's nothing, there's not much there. There's just not much there. He's a collector, like, or it's a collector. I don't know what Slender Man is. Because there's like, and you don't really get to know that much about. It. You don't. You don't get to spend a lot of time with Slendy. It's mostly with this girl hmm. who's being menaced by Slenderman. Um, I want to see he's a movie. Just kind of from his perspective, just him learning about these kids. Maybe the way we'd understand more about Slender Man if we understood why he chose these kids to kind of hang out with. Well, we get that. That's all in the movie. But that's no. It's but just from not his very... perspective, from his, in, okay. well, what is it? Well, what is it? I mean, why does he do it? Because they watched a, like a, a YouTube video about summoning Slenderman, and, then and they, they just, summoned him. So what? So Slenderman snatched just up one of their waiting. friends. He's oh, well, he, so... sna- he snatched up one of their friends, and they're like, "We got to find a way to get him back." And so uh, they get online. And they find out the way to get him back is you have to offer him something in return. Um, so they basically do another fucking Slenderman ceremony thing, and then like he's like coming after him because you're not supposed to look at him, and they looked at him. What is Slenderman? That's the movie, guys. You're chasing... That's the movie. Are these teenagers... You're chasing teenagers around and snatching them up. Dude, you are a weird creature with supernatural powers. Like, just own it and don't fuck around with these kids. Like, do something productive. Yeah. It's... And there was just nothing... Like, and... Oh, the other thing is, like, Slenderman FaceTimes you. 
Like, I don't want really? I don't need Slenderman FaceTiming you. Like, he's like this this girl, she gets like a, a message on her phone and it's and it's like unknown caller and she picks it up and like it's a video and it's like across the street from her house and she looks out the window and there's nothing there. But then it comes closer to her door and there's still she still doesn't see anyone outside. And then it's and then it goes through the door and it's inside the house. And it's going up towards her room. And she's like, I don't see what's happening, what's happening? And then Slenderman's behind her. Wow. Wait a minute, but who was holding the camera phone? Was it like one of his friends that was like a his ghost was, friend or a shadow I don't, person? I don't, I don't I don't know how Slenderman works. Um don't know. But I it's I don't know, it's just like eh, eh. Hmm. Don't really it's just there's just it's just not there's not enough there. But see, in my there. imagination, as you were explaining that, Brad, I got into it. I thought, well, that's a pretty cool. That could be a cool scene. Like in my yeah. mind, what I'm envisioning could be that's, scary and exciting. And and that's it was it was okay. It's just that that was like one of the three things that happened in the movie, and they did that twice. Oh, you got recycled it. Yeah. No, unless it's like new way of doing it. I don't. No. And I'm like, well, kiss Slenderman, do something else. Be creepy again. Like there's, I don't know, like. <sighs> Nothing in the theater is going to beat after you saw Paranormal Activity and the lights just went out, no credits, and everyone looked at each other like, what the fuck did we just see? Uh, That's the height of the height. There's How do we come so, back from that? So good. So good. I Yeah, this movie was just... I was disappointing. It was very disappointing. Because it's like... it's Slenderman's such a good concept. Yeah. Like, he got his start in the creepypasta kind of feel, right? Yeah. Or did he pre... I, I, oh, he's I the creepiest of pastas. Yeah. He's like that green meat. macaroni. Yeah, there's Weird. some neat, like, photoshopped pictures <laughs> of cool Slenderman stuff. It's just fun. Yeah. And you're telling me that they fucked it up? Who yeah. did this? Was this Sony? Who made this? Was this Paramount? I, somebody somebody made this for not much money, clearly. Marvel should have bought it and made him part of the cinematic universe. That would have been amazing. That would be great! I would love to see that. Alright, which superheroes are going to be menaced by Slenderman? Well, obviously, um... Ant-Man was the guy with the camera because he could go through walls if he was small enough. Just go through those particles. And they're like, what? Slenderman's in there. They snatch the kid and then like Paul Rudd like, whoop. He's like, how right? Or whatever his character is. And they high five and Slenderman's like a good, he's okay. He's just a guy who, he just likes to prank the kids. He's got his own prank YouTube channel. (laughs) That's what Hmm. he does. Okay. You summon him and you get pranked. You think it's scary, but it's really just a prank. I don't don't know if I like this either. I'm only... what are, okay, what about we put Slenderman in the DC universe instead? No, DC. Yeah. Is he a bad guy or a good guy? Oh, he's bad. He, he's real bad. He would be a better bad guy than um, uh, the guy, I can't, Doomsday. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I can't think of any of the villains from DC movies other than Zod. The Zod like, is cool, though. At least the old yeah. Zod. Mm-hmm. Even the new Zod was okay. It's just he was put in a weird movie that... Yeah, he's put in the worst DC movie, which says a lot. You get that tornado from the first spy, uh, Superman movie. You get Zod kind of doing his thing. And that's pretty much it, right? I don't even know who the Justice League guy was. Yeah, I was going to say, I cannot remember the name of the Justice League one. I can't remember the name of the one from Wonder Woman. Um, but you put Slender Man in there? Slender Man would creep them out. I want to see a DC movie where there is like a supernatural creature, like, but it's done as a horror movie. Yeah. Where the yeah. only way you can beat... Superman and Batman, because they're superheroes, is to have, like, a scary creature just, like, stalking them. It'd be How pretty awesome great. would that be? It would be pretty great. I want to see Superman, because Superman is vulnerable to magic. Slenderman's <gasps> clearly magic. Um, yeah. I want him being menaced by a Slenderman. And, the, and you know who in the end is going to fight Slenderman? Swamp Ooh. Thing. I know the evil Slenderman do. 
Yes. And then Comes we bring out of nowhere, Swamp Thing saves. full out. Full out Swamp Thing in, in the DC Cinematic Universe. But then, like, then they have to really switch gears and all the DC movies are basically about Swamp Thing versus Slenderman. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. Yeah, it's great. It's a much better universe. Huh. Brad, um, this weekend I also saw a movie. Didn't movie pass it. Cost me a lot of money. <laughs> um, me and Emily went to go see Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Nice. Which was great. It's been in the theater for a couple of weeks, I think. Um, yeah. yeah but I've been trying to see it. I've been trying to see it, but unfortunately the name of the movie isn't Slenderman, so my pass doesn't work. You gotta sneak in. You gotta, whatever the next one is, just go to it. It's fun. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd never seen all the first one. And there are definitely, there may be two songs which are a little bit of a stretch where you're like, okay, we're just singing Abba and having fun. And I'm here for, I mean, it's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't look for an excuse to sing Abba songs. I just sing them anyway. It's just like, all right, fair. Yeah, it's just life, whatever. Jump into music. It's a little strange that there's a universe where Abba is so ingrained in the culture that literally every person knows the songs and can just jump into it. And that's cool. I, that's, I like to imagine that's what it is. Because everything yeah. else is normal. It's just in this world, ABBA was so popular that yeah, everyone just it. knows it. And it's just a part of their lives. It's also weird that everyone on this island that they go to is basically their servants. <laughs> and I don't understand that. Hmm. Like, they're kind of their own characters, but not. But everyone stops what they're doing to just kind of I, I, sir, I do everything for these people. It, it's... It's the conceit of the movie. It's kind of that. It, it's it's fun. Cher is great in it for what little time she has there. Um, is Meryl Streep in it? I'm not going to spoil that for you, friend. But it's it's good. What I will say is this: make sure you watch the extras in the background because there are some of those some of those extras are working it in ways I've never seen extras do. Beautiful cinematography too. Oddly enough, um, uh, there's a, there's a lot of animals in this movie. There's a Un, an unbridled horse just chilling in a barn. There's a goat that I think should that deserved more screen time. That when it was on screen, I thought did a really good job. Um, don't know why we didn't get more of the goat. Does the there's, goat sing and dance? There's mention of a goat story. It, it's you. You'd have to you. You'll know when you see it. And I don't know if it's a coincidence that they just happened to bring up a, the goat story again or a goat. But there's a goat on an island. And then someone in the future, that's right, we're in a time travel film, ladies and gentlemen, kind of, more or less, mentions the goat story. And you're like, why would you, uh, uh, nothing is by accident and Mamma Mia, here we go again. Surely that was premeditated. It may not have been. Um, but the best song to watch extras in is Dancing Queen. And you'll know why. Um, let's just say... Is Slenderman an extra? Is Slenderman an extra? It could have been. There's so much going on. Let, let's just... A small armada comes out of nowhere around a harbor, and extras are on it dancing for their lives to Dancing Queen. And it's one of the most beautiful things that humanity's ever made, I think. And you'll... But the best song in it is easily for... Not Fernando. That is funny, though, because Cher is super old and she can't really dance much. And you notice. And they just kind of lean into it like, guys, this is what's happening. Just deal with it. The best song is Waterloo. That is awesome. Everyone's having fun. You're having fun. And it seems like they, they spent the most time with it. Guys, if you're at all interested, go see Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. I'd also recommend going to the Cinebistro to see it. I've This is the first time I went to like uh, a Cinebistro experience, and it was great. 
My only regret is, so I don't know what it's like in Florida when you guys go. I'm assuming there, if you go to a Cinebistro, it's like a branded thing and it happens the same in all of them. What, I don't, I don't, wait, is that, what is that? Is that a theater or what? What is that? A Cinebistro is a part of the theater and it's basically you just go in and they wait on you. Like they bring you food okay. and stuff during the, the movie. Well, the way they do it here is it's the first 30 minutes before the movie and they'll bring out dessert and popcorn during the previews, but they don't come back out after that. Hmm. Um, but it's it's awesome. Um, the food was pretty good, but we got there 30 minutes early. We sit down. We have our own personal waiter. They wait on us. Um, we got dessert. I mean, it was just great. It was just awesome. But there is, um, before the previews, instead of uh, uh, Nuvi or whatever Marina Menounos is doing, instead of that, they have their own Cinebistro-like thing, which is very strange. Mm-hmm. So at one point, Brad, and I'm sorry... Because I tried to get my phone out both times, but I was talking to a waiter on both occasions. On the screen, we just see the words chill show up. <laughs> like, fade in, and there's a transition slowly to Cinebistro. But I was nice. like, I gotta get that transition for chill. I gotta make an animated GIF of that for nice. reasons. Um, but I couldn't. But next time I go back, because we will go back, I'll definitely try that. Nice. But then, like, there's a five minute cut. Or maybe it's only two minutes, and it just seems like it's forever. Where they're just slowly fading between random environmental scenes. Or just, like, set. Like, here's a set. But if you're playing, like, smooth jazz music, and you're thinking, is this supposed to be, like, a sequential story? Like, why are we fading from mountaintop with clouds over the forest with some fog? Oh, here's the beach. Beach goes into the city. No people. And it's just like slowly like fading through these things. At the end, it's like Cinebistro. But for two men, you're like, what is, are we going on a journey? What the fuck's going on? But the best thing, and it's made me think of Jonathan, because Jonathan talked about the acting class he took and how they were acting or doing a scene where they're given like a prompt of, hey, you're in a doctor's office. One of you's the doctors, one of you's the patient. You're delivering bad news or something. You're supposed to act because they're going to, someone's doing a shot. Well, they'll do voiceover and music. Well, they had that, but with a couple going to this in a bistro, there was a, a guy and a, and a woman. Woman was way out of this guy's league. The guy looked nervous the entire time. And they're trying to make like, they're, they're ordering and talking and the woman looks like annoyed. And the guy is like, yeah, uh-huh. And I do not know how they approve this to go on the Cinebistro screen, because it is awkward, but awesome that they went ahead and went with this. But at one point, they're also talking about, there was a weird thing where they lingered a little too much on her and him. And I hadn't seen, I hadn't noticed, because it was on loop. I didn't notice it until now, but they said something about uh, our staff um, is here to serve you and will be discreet while they're serving your food. Are serving you. And the way they panned over and the way that the actors were acting, I was like, wait a minute, what am I watching a trailer? It almost seemed like they were, the prostitution may have been involved in the Cinebistro because of the way that it was filmed and shot and presented just for the brief second I saw it. And I was taken aback, like, what the hell? Cinebistro? But no, it was, it was a weird splicing and cutting of things. Hmm. That's my, I, I, if you're going to see it, I don't want to spoil any more of Mamma Mia 2 other than it's great. And I, I, I'm with Jonathan. It's better than the first one. I, I want to see it. I've been trying to, but uh, I wish I wish they would let me. I wish they would let me. I don't know if you're if you were supposed to, but I did laugh a lot during Mamma Mia too, and and in places where other people weren't laughing, and that's okay. I think 
Again, when that goat comes out, you're not expecting it. I dare people not to laugh during that. At one point, someone does a cartwheel out of nowhere in slow motion, and you're like, why? <laughs> why are we... What? It is just funny. I was trying to find the newest uh, um, Coca-Cola ad. Didn't see it. Oh, got it. Hold on. Hold on. The best part was that guy took that dude sweet Z. <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of parts. First of all, um, guys, I'm just, we're just going to describe, um, this is a short film slash commercial. Um, it's called The Premiere. Now, it starts off, and we are at a red carpet event, apparently held at this fucking regal theater. Um, not a thing. <laughs> Never happened. And we see there's this, uh, what I assume to be an actress, um, walking the red carpet. Um, though she is, I weird looking she's a weird looking person like i like listen there's no way around it she's weird looking and we see this guy with his friends getting their popcorns and coca-colas um he's a normal looking human one of his friends looks like a serial killer <laughs> brad you're mistaken like, one of his friends is a serial killer one of his there's friends no is it. most definitely a serial killer now i'm again i i remind you this woman is walking a red carpet through a regal theater um and these guys they've gotten their concessions and now they're standing at the at the rope to see this celeb i guess they got the concessions to watch a celeb walk down the red carpet in the middle of a movie theater um like she's walking by and this dude um offers her a drink of his coca-cola and then she takes it and makes the weirdest face that's ever been made <laughs> Well, he offered her the popcorn first, kind of meekly, like, huh? And she oh, takes yeah. it, and then she takes one kernel, puts it in her mouth, and, like, beams at him, like, smiling. Ugh. And then he's that like, face, that, that smile. It is the most inhuman smile. Listen, I, you can't, stop it. Like, you cannot make that face. They didn't do another take where you didn't make that face. <laughs> How many takes did they, did they do to get this one, Brad? Is my question. So weird. Like my two smiles. favorite parts. Okay, so yeah, she, she she then takes him on the other into the inner circle. Come come over to the red carpet, friend. And his friends are looking on like what? And then he reaches back and grabs his friend Sweet Z. And then he goes into the movie with this actress who's wearing heels that are really tall. And he is about what six to eight inches shorter than her. I, I, think matters, you mean six, I think you mean three feet. I think you mean three feet yeah, shorter like than her. Three feet if it's a, if it's an inch. It's yeah. since, my favorite parts are when the serial killer tries to take his popcorn. When he first gets popcorn, he's like, hey, man, just let me have just a little bit. And he's like, and all we hear is, whoa, from the main actor guy. Oh. It's a weird, like, whoa, like, check yourself, serial killer. Um, like, And then like, when, when he steals the sweet Z. It's I I cannot deal with the faces that are being made. Like this is nightmarish, and the basic premise I cannot deal with. The fact that there is a red carpet in the middle of a fucking regal theater, I can't deal with that. I can't deal with anyone cares about this woman. Um, that's walking down this red carpet in the middle of a regal theater. I don't understand how this works. I don't understand why they're buying concessions if there's a red carpet that they're not allowed onto. What are they buying concessions for? Just to have them? Just to have snacks? Yeah, just a little snack to walk around with. Oh, it there, is nightmare. There are some awesome extras in this. Not to say that, I don't know if it's just Mamma Mia or if it's just me. I love looking at the people in the background. There are some sure. people working the fucking carpet 
or the periphery of it. I love the one guy in the background uh, in the scene where like he's giving her his coke. Like right after that, there's a guy that just goes, yeah, like just screams yeah at them. Like this is the best thing that's ever happened to him. There's another guy with a camera like just really doing. I. Ugh. Do you think this is better than the library? God, it man, they're so awful. I don't know. I don't. Well, I, I, is it better? I don't know. Is it worse? Is really the question. I don't think it's worse than the library. <sighs> I mean, this one has this one is, and it might be just because Sweet Z is featured, and it might be the library has so many levels of like. No. There's less talking in this. Well, there's no talking yeah. in this, which is it helps. There's. But- Whoa, and that's it. And I, if, if whoa yeah. is the only thing you have, and it's that take, and it's with a serial killer, oh, fine. I, 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 yeah, I grant. I guess this is better than the fact that there's not as much awkward dialogue. But the faces being made are extreme <laughs> and unconscionable, all around. But definitely from the main lady. I will say yeah. this though: now that I think, now that I'm really dissecting it, I still think the library. I would say the library is just slightly better. And it's because they try more with the cinematography. These people aren't. These are like basic shots. There's nothing going yeah. on. But they're telling a story as opposed to whatever the fuck's happening in the library. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Oh, boy. I, I'm, There's I'm not more sure. to marvel at in the library. And this one we pretty much just got faces. Or the face lady. Oh, God. This actress who's known face. for her facial expressions, I guess. And the awkwardness I mean, ensues. What movie did they walk into? faces. They walked into the premiere of Slenderman. She played Slenderman, but with, like, oh, she, mask on. <laughs> oh, she was Slendy. She was Slendy. Oh, cool. That has to be, like, the girlfriend of someone who made this, right? You don't do a casting call and choose this woman to be your celebrity star. Correct? I mean, it, it, like, again, and not just to, like... Because she's an attractive woman. There's I, nothing wrong No one's saying with, she's not attractive, bro. I did not say that. Do not put those I, words I, I don't. I don't want to say... Because, like, you don't know what a weird face she has. Because she has a weird fucking face. But she's making weird faces with her eyes yes. half rolled up. Yes. Like, it's weird. She's making yeah. weird faces. She's making weird choices. Uh, perfectly lovely woman making yes. weird faces. Also, they cast a woman that's way too tall for the part. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Or a gentleman that's a little too small for certain... I, yeah. And why it's would you put her in heels? Like, we see a close-up on her stepping off onto the red carpet in, in heels. It's like, yeah. all right, establishing shot, she's going to be in heels. You know that going in. Yeah. Put, I, I, yeah, don't show how, don't show how much shorter he is than her. Like, it's crazy. But they're just going to be friends. It's not like they're going to have a romantic interest. She's using him for the popcorn and the cola. She's walking a red carpet. They don't get, she's not getting popcorn and Coca-Cola. She can't afford pop, popcorn and Coca-Cola. I mean, I guess when your movie's premiering in the middle of a regal, I guess you're probably not making that much on it. Maybe you can't <laughs> afford it. I, I get a feeling this may not have been a union job. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, though. I, I love that these films, very loosely uh, using that term... Oh. Haunt you with these things, friend. They, I, well, the thing is, like, and if 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 you were if you're living a, a slender past life, uh, and you're seeing a lot of movies, you just keep seeing these every time you go to the theater. Every time you see these, and you think this is so awful. I got to talk about this in the next podcast, and I usually forget, but then I remember, and all that rage comes back. <laughs> we oh. saw a uh, we saw a few previews at the movie, but one of the previews that stuck out to me was the one where Jennifer Lopez works at a Walmart. Oh, I haven't seen this. So she works at essentially a Walmart, like a big box store, and she hates her job. She hates her life. She's always disrespected. She has good ideas, but men always take them or people in a, th- a power take them from her. She's like, fuck this. Life sucks. 
you know, what? Uh, shouldn't I be working downtown with a big business? What do I? What? What does all that education get people that street smarts don't get you? Street street smarts count just as much as an Ivy League education. Thank you very much. And Leah Rimini comes out of nowhere. She's like, guys, I just escaped from Scientology. I'm gonna tell you all about it throughout this movie. But Jenny, listen, <laughs> you're right. And one day those people are going to realize it. So she gets called out of nowhere to go interview at like this awesome, like, I don't know if it's like a law firm or like a, some sort of financial institution downtown at one of those high rise um, <laughs> office buildings. And she's like, what the fuck? These people think I'm awesome. And one of her friends said, yeah, I faked like a whole persona for you online. Check it out. So he made a new LinkedIn page, made a Facebook page, like, and made it look like she went to all these Ivy League schools um, has like doc- masters and doctorate degrees and speaks all these different languages and she just goes with it and we're led to believe that she can just wing it and fool these people and they're like yeah that's right you, you, look we may have lied to get you this position or an interview but you landed the job yourself like you said street smarts amounts for it but then of course there's the classic well you know you're doing a great job and we're proud of you but don't forget where you came from <laughs> It's so weird, and it's so... They say everything to where you're like, okay, yeah, I I understand who this is aimed toward, and I I understand this is escapism and everything, but this is too much on the nose. Too much on the nose. Yeah, I don't... uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was uncomfortable to watch. I'm here to see Mamma Mia. I'm not here to watch Jennifer Lopez. This is the same movie Jennifer Lopez has done before, right? I mean, wasn't it... She's done this type of movie before. I don't know that I've watched the full Jennifer Lopez canon to Maybe to it's know. better for it, friend. So. I don't know. I just remember seeing that trailer and thinking, what is going on? No. No thank you. Hmm. Don't know about that at all. Uh, Brad, I found a website this week, and I highly recommend going there and just exploring to your heart's content. It's called Rare Historical Photos, and it's just rarehistoricalphotos.com. Oh, okay. Um, and they have photography um, pretty much since photography started all the way up until now but there are just some amazing stories uh one of the ones that i found uh that got me into this was one about the cincinnati public library uh, that was literally demolished so they could build a parking garage um but it was beautiful it was like five it was six stories tall but one of them uh, they had a five-story library part like the interior just was like shells for five stories it was beautiful like it just looked really cool and they archived like and they just go through like hey here's pictures of the busy time this is when it started it's a beautiful library and it reads like a gym and then you read at the bottom oh yeah it was (laughs) demolished to build a parking garage (laughs) they saved the two because they have these beautiful there's three faces on the front of it and i i do not remember what who they represent, but they saved those faces, and that's the only thing that remains of that library. But it was gorgeous. Apparently, it was just magical to be inside, and it looks great. Like I want to go there, looking at it. Yeah, it's it's oh, those man. faces on the cast like, iron book. Um, uh, large cast iron book alcoves lined the main hall. Wow, dude, it looks so cool. Like, because it would be you had to climb the ladders to get the books, and there's like giant card catalogs. As much as we're afraid of them, it just seemed like. I can imagine during that time walking in there thinking, this is the wealth of knowledge. This is just amazing. It gets me excited to think about and look at it. Uh, um, and all the people excited to go. There's also stories. There's also just pictures captioned, people reading. <laughs> and there's people sitting in a room reading quietly because they just went there. Just, you know, I just got to get a few pages in before, or like on my lunch break or in between things. Kids looking at the, um, 
basically kind of like the old kind of Viewmaster, but the one that was stereoscopic so you could kind of see 3D, and them just loving that. Like, just neat, sh- neat stuff from a long time ago. Again, paved over. Uh, like, not a second thought. The faces are now at the new library in their garden, uh, so I want to go visit them. But apparently the library in Cincinnati is going to shut down part of it. Are they trying to sell half of it? Because it, I guess it just isn't generating money. doesn't matter. We're not here to talk about that. Why does it have to generate money? Fuck. It's weird. I think uh. they actually just said, because it's sitting on a full block, they thought the library doesn't need all of this. We'll just sell half the library to like Fuck some you. sort of corporate interest. I think they want to build another parking. If, if they build another parking garage uh. on another half of a Cincinnati library, someone has to step in and stop this. <laughs> Like, we fucking need libraries, not fucking parking garages. Like, fuck that shit. Agreed. Wholeheartedly. Like, since Um, you don't... So, but one of the stories that caught my eye that I wanted to bring to this show uh, was one called The Guardian Angels of the New York City Subways in 1980. Uh, There was another... There was another... (laughs) um, As we all know, crime was rampant in the subways in the 1970s. Like, hardcore. Like, disturbing. Like, scary. Mm -hmm. Um... There are other stories on here of people taking pictures in the subway, and the photographers are saying that they would walk down into the subway with their expensive cameras, and people's eyes would immediately get wide like, holy fuck. And, like, they would avoid them because they're like, oh, those people are going to get fucked up and the cameras are going to get stolen. I don't want to be near it. I don't want to be close to it. Thankfully, nothing happened to the people that took these photos that are on the website. But a a quasi-vigilante group calling themselves the Guardian Angels decided to step in where the police couldn't because the police were just, there just weren't enough police around to really hamper the violence. So these guys were volunteers. Um, Let's see, their membership were mostly young men, black and Latino. Um, Most of them had had maybe a previous life in a gang, but were like, you know what, fuck it, I'm not going to do this anymore. And they had a vested interest of keeping the subway safe. And they wore an outfit that was just um, a really tight white... uh, tank. It had a Guardian Angels logo on it with a, a pyramid with an eye and wings. Uh, and then they would just wear, like, either a hat or tight jeans. Um, and they would just ride the subways, and people felt safer. But, um, let's see. A lot of them were super ripped. Uh, there were around 500, and they would patrol the city. Uh, well, they'd patrol the streets mainly in, like, the subway. Uh, one of the neat things was they had an interesting way of, like, checking to see whether there was a problem on trains. So whenever they'd pull up to a train stop, they were all supposed to, like, go up to the door and all look out and look both ways. And every- they were supposed to be, like, fellow guardian angels just on the subway, and they would, like, nod. Like, yep, everything's okay. But when people didn't peek, like, their heads out, that's when they knew they needed backup. And they would all, like, swarm over to that one car to see what was going on to a- provide assistance. I was waiting. I was waiting for the dark turn um, on that, where it was like, um, then they got a photo of, of some white supremacist assholes. Um, no dark turns, just people doing the <laughs> helping try to make their city safe. They were eventually disbanded because um, nothing weird happened. They just like they weren't needed anymore after a certain point. Because I guess New York got its act together as far as like trying to police or make the subways a better place. Well. Um, Julian, fucking Giuliani. Uh, well, crime went down. Giuliani took credit for it, and then uh, they fucking um, New York spent a lot of time moving the uh, homeless people um, out of town. Oh yeah. So a lot of shitty things happen to uh, lower crime, to lower the crime rate in New York. But 
Very true. I mean, we know this in hindsight. Um, but I thought this was neat. <laughs> I don't know why. Out of all of this Cincinnati public library and this, I was like, oh, these guys are on the subway just riding with their uniforms on. Just their own club of people just trying to keep the streets safe. Um, Brad, we've talked in the past about how um, you might be interested in role playing at some point in the future maybe who knows I, I think you keep, you keep I feel like every episode you're, you're like trying to push this thing and I'm like I'm like I don't really know about this let me let me let me peep you to this new game people have come up with like you're like wait, wait what if this you had dog managers like I'm not really interested in being a dog like okay 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 but what about if it was Alex like if you want to play D&D on this podcast just say it what if? Well, what? It, let me let me show you what a new angle that people are coming at trying to get people every, to play every week. These games. Every week, Alex is like, you know how you really want to play Dungeons and Dragons? I was like, no, not really. No, I think it's <laughs> I don't I don't know. That's really my thing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, well here's the, here's the thing that would be really neat. Well, not Dungeons cool. and Dragons per se. That was specifically the dog thing. Right, right, right. I mean, the I, whole I point feel, is listeners can can let us know, but I, I just feel like maybe the past three episodes there have been like hints dropped, and I, I just wanted to, Alex, if just like use your words if you if you want something manifested into reality with your voice. Um, okay, let's let's step back for a second before I go into this. Um, while I am intrigued by role playing games and think it's fun, maybe listen to podcasts like we've mentioned before of like people playing it, um, like you mentioned Dan Harmon, whatever. Um, I can imagine that in most cases it would be too awkward to really play effectively. Um, but I'm bringing these things here because some of these seem incredibly awkward. The okay. dog thing was mainly just because I thought it was funny and cute, but it would be awkward to roleplay as dogs. What I'm about to tell you is insane, and I don't know if anyone would ever do it. But I also found something else I was going to save, um, and I might just save it about roleplaying, which to me takes it to levels where I'm like, what the fuck are, what are you doing, roleplayers? This is weird. <laughs> And I'm not, like, discouraging it because it's creative and fun, but some of these seem more, like, strange. Just strange. Like, I don't under... Okay. One of them I want to play with you and Jonathan because it would not take long. Here here we go. Here we go. Well, here's the thing. It is... It is... It's more of, like, a prompt for acting as opposed to... Which is what... You you mentioned that in the last episode. It's not... It's fine. You, Alex, you don't you don't have to defend yourself. It's fine. It's okay. Well, I don't want to play it for the fun of roleplay. I want to play it because mm-hmm. it is ridiculous and I think it would be sure. funny. Absolutely. That's perfectly valid. You've got to you've got to choose between three different uh, species of a uh, reptile fantasy creature. And I'll give you those lists before we get there. All right. Okay. Uh no, okay, so I'm this a supportive is... friend, Alex. What, whatever you need to work through. <laughs> it's okay. Um <laughs> Brad, there's a new RPG in town, uh, and it's it's you're supposed to play it at Olive Garden. Okay, I've never uh, actually been to an Olive Garden. The game is called When You're Here, Your Family. Uh, I'm just gonna start reading the rules here. The game asks the members of your party to form a new society as a community. When you're at Olive Garden, you are going to go eat at Olive Garden, not for unlimited breadsticks. It's not really worth it. But because you want to play a game with your friends. Hey guys, do you want to go play when you hear your family? Let's all go to Olive Garden for my party. The adventurers order Olive Garden's classic deal, unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks. As each round of food gets delivered, your characters become a new family. And therefore, a new generation of their community. So you start as one family. Once you get the soup, you're a new family. Guys, old family's dead. We're the new family. Uh, They reflect on how things have changed, for better or for worse. 
therefore for building out the mythology of the generations of family that they have created. Once several generations have eaten their fill, the players can order coffee, at which point the characters become a new generation uh, of pilgrims, discussing why they decided to leave their previous community and embark on a whole new life away from this Olive Garden that they've happened into. So, I think I may have missed a part of this. So, yeah. You have your adventures. The whole point is, when you go into Olive Garden, you're like uh, pilgrims from another place. And you come into Olive Garden to form a new society. And you basically just say, hey, here's the new society we're forming. And then as your generations go forward, you talk about how it's changed, what's changed since the last time you made choices. And at the end, you're like, you know what? Fuck this place. We're going to pilgrimage somewhere else. And that's how you play the game. Thoughts and feels. Part of the rule set before we go forward is that you have to tip your waiter extremely well. Uh, that's that's the rule set of being a human. That's a rule set of being a human, not for the game, guys. That's a little weird. I don't know. I I, I don't. I, I don't know. If there's enough there. I don't know how you play this. <laughs> I, I I feel like you're playing like fucking Sim City, but like less interesting. Yeah, over dinner, guys. Just relax and talk about your day. Don't yeah. Don't like play a weird game. Ugh. Or play a game that's like not require doesn't require you to be on the entire time. Yeah. Like playing. Yeah. Who would play that? Why would someone play this? I don't know that anyone's ever actually played this. I think, I think this is, it's all uh, theoretical. It's all in yeah. their heads. Like this would be a great game to play at Olive Garden. The person who made this tried to get Olive Garden to endorse it. They won't. <laughs> Wonder why. Can you make this the official uh, RPG slash LARP game of Olive Garden? No. Goodbye. Just straight up no. So they're thinking Sorry. about they're thinking about retooling the game uh, to be more uh, to be played at Red Lobster. So they're just peddling this weird oh, society game across. Trying. Hey, have you played the CC's Pizza game? <laughs> <laughs> CC's Pizza open every. What is it? Well, I don't even know what their tagline is. See, this thing about family. If you, if you get five dollars, come eat like a millionaire, a millionaire that eats garbage. <laughs> <laughs> However many pieces of pizza you eat is how many millions of dollars you get, and then you're supposed to discuss how you spend your money. Ugh, gross. That is pretty gross, though. CeCe's Pizza the game sounds <laughs> funnier and better than Olive Garden when you're here, your family. I don't even know what other taglines for restaurants would work, no. but Red Lobster? What the fuck would that even be? Yeah, that's not... I No. Pretend dumb, to be a dumb, fisherman? Dumb. I don't know what... What would you do? Because I'm, uh, yeah, because also the whole game is is based on the idea that they're having to refill these unlimited breadsticks or soups or whatever the fuck. So it, you, I don't know, maybe you do it in a restaurant every time they refill your, your, your drink. It's a new, but then, then it's not uniform to everyone. I, so it doesn't really work. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it's I'm sure fake. you could cobble it together, but it's strange. No, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's, and it's not really a game. There's nothing there. It's like a thought experiment. Like, maybe think of better ways to improve our present society or culture. Fuck this fictional shit. Yeah. Brad, um, there's a new gym in New York City. Um, and I want you to take a guess as to what its, its, uh, its twist is on the whole new fitness trend. Oh. Fitness boutique trend. I'm going to give you the name of it. Okay. It's called Burn. B-R-R-R-N. Burn. Oh no! Is it? Is it like? Is it like cold exercising? Brad, you peeped me to cold press. 
in the beginning of this podcast um yeah. when we i don't know if that made it into the recording yeah, or not, but whatever it's, it's, it's cold press sure. just talking about how i'm enjoying a, a delicious cold brew right now yeah uh, but you were correct burn is uh basically workout in an air like in a freezer <laughs> okay it's the world's first cold temperature gym and yeah that's just what it is. You just go work in a refrigerator. Work out in a refrigerator. A giant refrigerator. Um, I'm gonna read you some I'm gonna read you some quotes from the just the article and we can react to them because it's nuts. Uh, people walk in dressed for winter, and within a few cup uh, within the first couple of minutes, it feels like a backstage at a strip club. They just start taking off all their stuff. What what? This is a lot of these are it, quotes it from the owners. Off, they start off their dress for winter. And then it's yeah. like backstage of a strip club. This is a quote from the people who run this thing. Um, yeah, so essentially people come in because it's like, it's cold. Ooh, Why is I'm it gonna backstage get... of the strip club? Why isn't on the stage of the strip club where people I... are taking off clothes? These are the that's where the clothes words. are taken off. These you don't take choices. them off backstage. No. That's t- that's putting you them back with... on to go out in the world. That's weird. So what are you, what are you trying to get at? But it's like, yeah. People walked in just for the winter in the first couple of minutes. But once they start working out, they start taking it all off like the backstage of a strip club. Front stage, not backstage. What? Um, <laughs> uh, you don't know how strip clubs work. <laughs> the hardest thing to do in the boutique space is to encourage movement, explains the co-founder. His name's Johnny. And there's nothing better, in our op- opinion, than to turn the thermostat down and just be completely in the moment. Not feeling like your body has to sweat profusely to cool off. So that's another one of the, the things here, Brad, is that the reason they keep it so cold is that your body won't have to sweat as much. Like, it keeps you cool. Which I don't really think is how you're... I mean, sweat can help you with cool, but it's really just getting... It, there's a lot of things around the science of what sweat is. You're still going to sweat regardless whether it's warm or cold because you're yeah. working your body hardcore. Right. Uh, so one of the founders gives an example of the reaction people okay this is they're all trying to justify that coal working out in a refrigerator is the best way to work out so they gave an example where um there was a 60 year old man who died from a heart attack from shoveling snow and people would think that he had a heart attack shoveling snow because it was cold outside i think that's a jump in logic but fair enough yeah nobody thinks he was he died of a heart attack because he was shoveling snow in the cold uh no one thinks that the founders say that the cold is actually rarely the culprit in tragedies such as these. Yeah. What kind of weird hypothetical are you throwing who, out? It's who not thought, who thought it was? Attack. Who thought cold was the culprit? The culprit is he's an old man. No one brings to... So in, in talking about it, finishing out his idea, no one brings to light that this person also had 30 years of sedentary lifestyle, a really bad diet, and that his in-laws were over during the holidays and he was stressed. Says the founder. Again, this is all him. Just throwing everybody under the bus. (laughs) Yeah. Again, none of these things. This fucking piece of shit. (laughs) Sedentary lifestyle. Just sat on his fucking lazy ass. Had his relatives around. Which are pieces of shit as well, by the way. As you might expect. From such a loser as this. Uh, Of course he died. He fucking treated himself like garbage. Yeah, his heart gave up because it didn't want to live anymore. Didn't Not because it was cold, cold outside. Uh, stop you... blaming Jack Frost for this asshole's life choices. Whoa. Whoa. Cold, he argues, actually has a bounty of benefits. Research, fa- research finds that cooler environments boost alertness and performance, uh, better serves heart health, and helps you sleep better, and perhaps 
uh, most relevant to fitness, burns more calories. A lot of this is kind of thrown out in generalities. I mean, like, I, I agree with all of this except that it helps you burn calories because not, not, I don't think it really no, it doesn't really help you burn calories unless your body's shivering. Like I, then you burn some calories yeah. by shivering. Yes, because your body but, is physically trying to bring your temperature up to a level yeah. that it can operate on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm down because again, I would, I would always prefer to be cold. I love the cold, but yeah, no. Another 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 thing from the guy who runs this. We are warm from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed. What? We wake up we wake up in in 72, we shower in hot water and we go to the gym, sit in the office that's 72 degrees and complain if it's 69 degrees. I don't. I love it when it's 69 degrees. Also, you can turn cold water on in the shower. It's very refreshing. Great yeah. way to end your shower. Close up those pores. Like, that's how you're supposed to do it. And this is where things get a little weird. <laughs> for me. Not that they haven't already been weird, but a little weird. Uh, hey, West- we go to bed and it's 80 degrees. Turn on the air conditioner. What? Western society essentially engineered cold out of our lives. But that thermal cocoon of comfort might be partially to blame for our nation's obesity epidemic. Among, uh, other over... Uh, among other... Along with overfeeding ourselves, mild cold, 55 to 65 degrees, could reverse some of these effects. 55 to 65 degrees is not that cold. (laughs) No, it sounds great. sounds delightful. That sounds like a fun, brisk time. If that's what we're working out in, that's not really that cold, guys. No. You said a refrigerator. Yeah. No wonder people are stripping their clothes off like, like they're on the stage of a strip club because it's 55 to 65 degrees inside. It's... The temperature of a strip club. <laughs> Western science society has essentially engineered coal out of our lives? No. <laughs> no. What does that even mean? They've, they've put coal into our lives. We have air conditioning everywhere. It is. We, it was ninety-one even... degrees outside today. It would be. It would be ninety-one degrees if I didn't have air conditioning. If cold wasn't put into my life. Yeah, I live in Florida. I would be dead. This is an. This is an inhospitable climate for humans. This. I understand this guy's got a gimmick and he's kind of cashing in on it and apparently it's really popular in New York but this is bullshit (laughs) you don't have to sell anymore you could just easily bring out some of the scientific findings which are mixed at best about how working out in the cold kind of helps and that's enough you don't need all this artifice of like you live in a thermal cocoon yeah I mean, you could, like, if you want to come out and say, um, this, like, um, Bikram yoga nonsense where you're in a super hot place does nothing. Like, it's not, it does, no. it's not doing anything. Like, so why don't you do this where it's comfortable instead? Yeah. Like, I mean, that, then you got point. something. You got that. Look, come work out in a brisk environment. It's fine. Yeah. Do that. Like, great. You don't have to shame people into you for using their air conditioning. And what is this place? Using the air conditioning. You're shaming them for not using air conditioning, which isn't a thing. We all live in air conditioning. We we are in the United States of America, uh, the country that has more air conditioning than anywhere in the world. I I what do these what do these people do in the winter when it's super cold? Live. We live. That's our time. <laughs> That's when we live. Classes will be held in Central Park. <laughs> we open the window store studio. <laughs> So we take it down. I just... I don't know. Also, why are you arriving in dressed in winter wear and then within minutes you're stripped down like backstage at a strip club? Because when you arrive, 
you, you've seemingly you're coming out of this uh, cocoon of heat where there's no cold air in your life. Why did yeah. you arrive? Why did you arrive in winter wear? Yeah. <gasps> like that doesn't make any sense. I arrive in my normal clothes for the heat and then I change into uh, a lo- like a, a long like two layers of long sleeve shirts. I'm ready to I'm ready to work out in the frigid cold. Then I get in there and start working out. And I got to take my clothes off. It's too hot. I'm getting too hot. <laughs> this is so weird. None of this, none of this adds up. None of this adds up at all. None of it. Um, Brad, AI has gotten very good at playing games. We talked about Go. We've talked about chess. We've talked about various other video games. Um, there's a video game called Dota 2. Um, it's a MOBA. Not important. And there's an AI who taught itself in a similar way to the, the Go, where we talked about a long time ago on the show where it basically started from scratch by itself. They gave it the rules and said, all right, just run a bunch of simulations and it learned to play on its own. Um, and yeah, they they got to a certain point. They gave it like a, like a day or two to like do its thing. And then they took professional Dota 2 players to work in a team against the AI who was just playing by itself. The AI destroyed them in ways they couldn't expect, in ways that were not standard, in ways that only a machine wouldn't even know what to do. Like, completely beat them. Um, The only way that the humans could kind of win was after they did, I want to say it was like a few rounds of them just completely getting destroyed. We'll we'll say three, it might have been five. And they were like, all right, now we're going to do another round, and this time we're going to have people from the community vote, and you get to choose the heroes or the main characters that the computer gets to play as. So the humans said, all right, we'll give them the shittiest characters they can play that are not good in the game. And the game was still close. <laughs> the game was still close. The AI still was able to, uh, like, they beat it, but not as bad as the, not as bad as they should have for people playing it professionally. The AI was still able, but the humans had to stack the deck to beat the AI. Here's where the fun part gets in, Brad. A lot of a lot of part of video games that we may not know about now, especially if you don't play modern online games, is trash talk. And the AI learned to trash talk in the most effective way, I think, possible. And it wasn't through, like, trolling. It wasn't through, like, derogatory comments. It would just, throughout the game, say, Hey, by the way, I'm calculating the odds. And there's a 98% chance that I'm going to beat you. <laughs> and it kept changing, like, as things happened. And it just, dest- the morale of these humans, like, in the first, in a lot of the games, just destroyed them. They'd be working so hard, and they'd see the computer just say, you now only have a 95% chance, uh, I, I, now I have a 95% chance of beating you. <laughs> and the humans nice. just didn't know what to do with this. They were like, what? And it shook them to their core. It's not something they trained the computer to do. It just did it. That is awesome. <laughs> nice. The next time a troll or someone is bothering you in some respect, just give them the statistics. Especially if you're playing a game. Apparently, that's uh, that'll go a long way. Friends, it's that super, super, super special time of the week where we chat about our dearest of dear friends, Mr. T. Guys, I, didn't, 
Gotta have a minute to summarize the first episode we're going to talk about, which is UFO Mystery. It's from Season 2, I think it's Episode 9, and it originally aired November 10th, 1984. Wow. Yeah. Put a little timestamp on there. Um, I was almost a year old. Almost. So was I. Um, So, yeah. I gotta do it in a minute to be a Braveheart. Everything else doesn't matter. I'm not gonna go over, and I'm not gonna be a chump. So just chill, okay? I'm also not gonna be a fool, no matter what. Please don't. I hope not. Now I'm actually kind of scared that I'm gonna fuck this up. Because, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen... There's a yeah. There's a, a lot, lot to, to cover. cover. There's gonna be some like broad strokes here because I can't. I just can't. <laughs> oh, I'm just scrolling through it. They got so much to cover. All right, Alex, are you ready for this? I I'm gonna try. All right, I believe in you. All right, you'll be going in three, two, one, go. Mr. T uh, is the captain of a, of a child's gymnastics team, and they're going uh, close to Mount Rushmore uh, to be, go into big heat. Uh, they kind of lose. There's one guy named Woody who um, can't see very well. It's blurry. He's got to get that taken care of. But his eyes are so blurry that a lot of shit happens. I, he ends up going to go see a scientist friend of his who created a UFO. And he gets the, the scientist guy gets kidnapped and Woody almost dies falling off a cliff. Uh, Mr. T and the kids kind of like find a, a, a robot Mr. T called Mr. T2. And they all have adventures to try to figure out what's up with this UFO. Well, it turns out criminals stole the UFO uh, and are going to rob like a I, 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 I don't even know how to really explain this but uh, their treasury the US treasury near Mount Rushmore Mr. T and the kids uh, thwart their plans and uh, yeah everyone and, and Woody gets glasses also Mr. T is a coach of a kids baseball team the live action segment uh, and it gets weird one minute <laughs> guys please <laughs> And there's a lot of stuff I missed, and I tried my best. I tried my best. You, you, got, you got it in there. Maybe got, got some of the live action segment in there. Because guys, this is insane. Like, there's no way to get all this in a minute. Oh, this is the craziest thing I've ever watched. I love it so much. Um, first of all, I, I learned I learned a little bit of, of information um, that I didn't realize um, before watching. Uh, this show was created by Steve Gerber, who was the Marvel comics writer who created Howard the Duck. Which explains Ooh. why this is my favorite cartoon. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, of course. Of course. Guy, okay, I wasn't able to really do it in the, the summary, but we have Mr. T, and he is a guardian associated with this team of kid gymnasts who travel the country for gymnastic meets? He's their coach. He's their coach. Okay, yeah. Uh, this show ran for three seasons. Three glorious uh, seasons. Yes. Uh, yeah, from 1983 to 1986. And then it was into syndication up into the 90s, which, yes, how I missed this on television, I won't know. Because it was on uh, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim, too, apparently, at some point. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we have I, we have some, we have some Jeff, Woody, Robin, Kim. All these are kids. I know I probably saw... I, I think I remember seeing some of this as a kid. I think I think they used to show it on like the USA Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um, USA Cartoon Express. Mr. T was on that train, and I always wondered why yes. he was. And I thought, why the fuck is Mr. T on here? But I never saw the cartoon, so I just assumed it was something I was missing. Mr. T, it's the fucking greatest. God, cartoons were amazing. When we were kids. They're pretty cool now, but in a different way. Joey will never have a Cartoon Express, and that's sad. It saddens me. Um. So yeah. 
that's kind of the premise of where it all starts. Okay, but even in a... To take a further step back from the animation itself, mm-hmm. at the beginning of every episode, there's a live-action segment where Mr. T and kids, as Mr. T's want to do, are just hanging out, and Mr. T is trying to... Is installing a, a lesson that is reflected in the television show to these children. Uh, but he also sets it up in, like, in a... Like... <laughs> it sets up the episode... It's, it's weird. Okay. All right. Let's get into this episode in particular. Yeah, yeah. They're playing baseball, and I guess this kid does something wrong, and Mr. T's like, hey, <laughs> don't you have glasses? You should be wearing them. <laughs> He's so threatening to children. He... So, yeah, the kid misses, and he swings, and his, like, hat falls down in front of his face, and all the kids laugh at him for missing the baseball. And then Mr. T, like you said, aggressively says, Don't you wear glasses? Put those glasses on, fool. He doesn't say fool, like, but he is derogatory toward the kid a little bit, and the kid's like, Meh. And all the kids, like, gather around. Like, they come in really quick and fast around him. I'm like, are they about to beat up this kid for <laughs> missing the ball? Like, it's all threatening. And the kid kind of looks sad, and Mr. T's like, Dude, don't feel like a dummy. Just, it- like... Yeah, and then he take care like, of shit. Yeah, and then he's like, you see, uh, what one time? Oh, hold up. What is what is the name of the kid that on these Woody. glasses? Woody. One time, Woody, and like, I, and it, we're supposed to just know that these kids know the cartoon characters. Um, yeah. but Mr. T just says, one time Woody um, needed glasses. Who wouldn't get them? And then some crazy antics happen. Let's take a look at that. He's <laughs> <was> like, what? <laughs> see, in my mind, the cartoon takes place when Mr. T was a little bit younger and all right. of this is yeah like this these kids know of the legend of Mr. T and he's just you know around now so do you think like um all like the gymnasts like all died on a terrible accident and since then uh, Mr. T's just been out hanging around these kids in the park dude I'm not surprised that they're all like they didn't die in the cartoon like oh yeah the things that they do are reckless and insane right like Oh, by the way, we should also mention that every episode of this uh, cartoon is the mis- it's like the mystery of uh, riddle of like they're all mysteries. This is a group of of gymnastic students that Mr. T coaches that are on the road solving mysteries, which like, is great. It is so wonderful. Like I'm like oh Steve Gerber, you're you're my hero. You're the greatest. I it's it's wonderful. Maybe we'll get more into, like, the intro, because I do definitely want to talk some about the intro, but I don't know if now's the appropriate time or whether we just want to, like, sandwich it in between the two. Okay. Because the intro itself, I was sold. Let's just go ahead and talk about it, because I... Sure. So, the first thing you see is a sea of red at the very beginning of this cartoon, and then a giant stone uh, serif T comes into the frame from the background. It kind of shoots up at your face, and when it gets close enough... Mr. T's um, severed arm comes out of nowhere and grabs the T. It has... Uh, it, what is that? It's like a, a feather and like... It's his earring. It's his earring. Yeah. And then it says... And then it says Mr. T. It transforms into Mr. T. And then that transforms into Mr. T, the person, and he smiles. <laughs> yes. And then we just get... Then we're treated to all the gymnasts. Like, we're introduced to them doing gravity-defying stunts. Like, the physics isn't even trying to be real. Like, it's... They'll do a cartwheel, and then they'll, like, flip. Or, like, one guy gets on one of the uneven bars, does a flip over it, and then, like, kind of makes a Y with his body and is thrust towards you in a way that can only be achieved in zero gravity. And I'm not even sure how that would work. Like, I mean, it's, that's great. 
<laughs> There's also a little kid who's little who's trying to be Mr. T. Like he wears yes. the same outfit as Mr. T. Mr. T's it's with a little him Danny Bonaducci looking kid too. Yeah, we got Danny Bonaducci who's trying to be Mr. T. And then there's a girl in the uneven bars, and there's something she does that if you ever saw in the Olympics, instant win. She she she's on the high bar, then she goes to the low bar. But how she transitions is she uh, throws her front <laughs> legs over it, and she kind of like uh, flexes her abs to where she's her body makes like a V, and she holds herself on the first, the lower uneven bar, just with her abs. Yeah, she's just arms in the air, and it's that is almost that's got to be physically impossible. Sure, she does it, and then she does a backflip off, and then of course again weird physics starts taking place. And you're mesmerized. Yeah. And then we go into them uh, um, solving some capers. Because uh, they're like um, swinging into scene, kicking a pirate. Dude. So, yeah. They're on a boat. And Mr. T, like, puts a rope around himself. leans over the side of the boat and pushes. And the boat, the way that the boat kind of moves when he pushes it is not how that would work. If he pushed like that on the boat, his part of the boat would sink. Like, it doesn't make sense. There's a lot of this that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's great. Um, there's one point where he grabs an alligator and swings it over his head. Well, don't get it twisted. The alligator tried to kill them. I'm convinced yeah. that there's this log that's from, like, again, a lot of stuff happens off camera. We don't see the ropes. There's a giant log that comes in and destroys the hovercraft that this kid and Mr. T are on, and an alligator swims up. I think the alligator tried to kill these people and get a quick meal, but no, mm-hmm. not on Mr. T's watch. We also see Mr. T skiing and doing, like, somersaults in the air. It's... It is awesome. Oh, like, it it's... Is, it's amazing. How does Mr. T in the water grab this alligator by the tail, swing it over his head, and just throws it? Mr. T is, like... He's strong. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so mesmerized. The cartoon just mesmerizes you. Oh, it's great. It's oh, there's, also, there's also a bulldog named Dozer um, that has a mohawk. <laughs> My favorite part in the whole opening is after all of this, all action shots, at the end of it, before they, like, really get to Mr. T, there's, like, a picture of all, like, there's, like, a scene of all of the people together, and Mr. T puts his arm around him, and they all kind of lean in to, like, just kind of smile, and it's just, like, did we need this? (laughs) It's awesome that we did it, but I don't know if it was needed. I, like, knowing that, like, this is, like, Steve Gerber that created Howard the Duck, like, and, like, knowing his sense of humor and, like, because he does, he love he's just, you know, very satirical, goofy things. I'm like, oh, I definitely know whose idea it was to have Mr. T and gym, gymnasts solving mysteries now. <laughs> like, okay, this, this all tracks. Yeah, it's amazing. The live action, the addition of the live action moments oh. immediately took me from that insane intro into what? Made me question reality even more. And then we get into the actual cartoon and it's just delightful. Yeah. There are no joke. There are 30 plus children in the first opening, like live action scene. Legitimate children yeah. just like hanging out. And I feel like they shot all of this on the same day they shot Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool. Oh, dude, definitely. I want to watch that again. Is that weird? <laughs> no, I watch it every year. After watching this, I'm like, I got to go back and I got to see what's up with. Yeah, I watch it. I, wa- I watch it every year on Mr. T's birthday. <laughs> I will start doing that too. You should. Let's make that a Ramjack ritual. Ladies and gentlemen, we will all revisit on Mr. T's birthday. Uh, it's I, I have Mr. T's birthday on my calendar. <laughs> I think it's uh, May 4th, I want to say. Uh, let me look. Well, that's easy to remember. It's May... No? Where is it? What's in May? 
While Brad's looking that up, let me go ahead and set some of the stage to get through some. May twenty first. Sorry, May twenty first. There you go. Nice. There's a lot of fun stuff that happens in May. A lot of fun birthdays in May. Um. So at the beginning, we just see uh, we pan the countryside to a barn. A scientist runs in and yells, "No, you can't!" And these people grab him. We don't see their faces and pull him into what looks like a UFO. Not like a real UFO where it's really streamlined, but like like this was made by people. They put him in the UFO and... Wait, it looks like a UFO. It doesn't look like... I don't know what you mean. Not like something streamlined. It looks like it's made by people. It looks like a UFO. There's no question. Okay. It looks like a UFO. UFOs, it's a flying saucer. Okay, yeah. For all intents and purposes, it's a flying saucer. Um, what that means to Brad and me are different, and that's okay because we're different people, and that's one of the things we like about each other as friends. Um, but I digress. I like that you're trying. Like I, I could tell. I could tell this was made of by course, humans. Of this course. Is, this doesn't look like an alien UFO. Wait. About. It doesn't look like a UFO ever. That's been. I mean, it's basically saucer, kind of saucer shaped. Yeah, it looks like every other UFO. Yeah, it's yeah. It's streamlined. They look more like plates and like the, like no, no. This thing you can pick this thing up on radar in a heartbeat. You can't pick up UFOs on radar. Doesn't matter. All right. Doesn't all matter. Right, right. Well, we're gonna table this one. We're gonna table this one. Uh, we'll, we'll have a future episode where we debate which UFOs are UFOs and which UFOs look like they were made by people and how you can tell in a cartoon. I mean, they're all made by people because UFOs aren't real. We yeah, know UFOs are this. Real. There's no flying saucers, Alex. But there's no human-made flying saucers either. They're uh, all made by people. You are correct. I'm sorry, friend. This is how we grow as people. Um, so, yeah. The, the more important thing in this scene is that when these people take off, they do not take off vertically. They basically take off slightly above... They hover above the ground, and then they completely turn the aircraft to shine its light at you directly. Meaning they went... What would you say? What did, They basically do, like, a vertical roll to where they're facing you? I don't know how to describe this aerial maneuver feet above yeah, the ground that makes no sense weird. whatsoever it just is meant to blind us as the viewer yeah but that segues into the sun like it fades into the transition of the sun and then we're uh, there's mount rushmore out of nowhere and then we fade down and there's a bus going on the road and then mr t and these kids are on a bus and this is how this is how you start this episode the kids are talking about mount Rush, mount rushmore they're excited about this uh, competition. One of the kids says, look, I'm going to visit the scientist friend of mine. I've been writing, writing him. He's got some scientist things he wants to show me, some engineering feats. And Mr. T's like, that's cool and all. We'll stay an extra day so you I, can hang out with him. Yeah, it's so crazy. Because they're like, they're like, oh, I've never seen Mount Rushmore. He's like, well, we'll, we'll go see it after after the competition. Um, and, like, and this kid's like, oh, well, I want to go see Professor So-and-so. Uh, um, like, he's my friend and I want to see his new invention. And Mr. T's like, ah, oh, we'll just stay an extra day. What is your schedule? Where are these kids' parents? Like, like, oh, we'll just, just we're just gonna stay an extra day. Right. I really wonder cool. if, I mean, I guess that might be par for the course for parents of children who are training to be Olympian, like Olympic athletes. Like, if something are, changes, are just go for Olympic it. Olympic mystery solvers. Why not both? If there's a lot of mysteries being solved at the Olympics, there's a whole aspect of it that we are missing that needs to be brought to light. <laughs> You know, they're, they're some of our finest mystery solvers. Every time there's an Olympics, um, there's also a lot of cold cases cold case to get cleared out. Yeah. That's, why all, that's why all these cities are vying for the Olympics. It's not because of, like, tourism. It's because they want somebody to work on their coldest of cold cases. And it works. Michael Phelps got a lot of gold, but that didn't mean anything to him. What really no. meant, what meant to him is solving those cold cases. He solved five while he was there. 
He, I mean, Michael Phelps has solved more crimes than I, than any of our most celebrated of law enforcement officials. Really watch the footage. When he surfaces, at least during one of the gold medal wins, you see him whisper something. It's the name of the killer in a cold case that just came to him while he was swimming. Because that's yeah. what you do as an Olympian. I mean, I know they did that cover that, that they, they said they got um, the Golden State Killer because of, like, the DNA testing. That's, that's not true. Um, did you notice how that case got solved right after the Olympics? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Hmm. I think we all know why. All those Olympians had a fucking, had a meet, had a sit down, and they're like, hey, we gotta solve this crime. They, they walked into a room for an hour, looked at the evidence, solved that case. <laughs> it happens that fast at the Olympics. Every four years, our greatest criminal <laughs> solving minds get together and solve cases. I'm surprised people haven't picked up on this until now. I have not I mean, heard about this until now. We just stumbled across. Thank do you, you not, Do you not realize? Um, they're wor- they spend all this time working out their bodies. They're also working out their minds. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. our best crime solvers because they've worked out those bodies and those minds. They work together and they solve mysteries. I want that to be true so bad. That's why Jessica Fletcher was such a great pole vaulter. <laughs> that might actually be in one of the books. Because if she can become a pilot and all these other things, surely she was like, oh, when I was an Olympian. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, w- w- there's a bit where uh, one of the other chaperones who's just there, I don't know who this woman is, um, asks the young kid who's trying to be Mr. T, the little Danny Bonaducci, hey, can you name all the presidents on Mount Rushmore? And he's like, sure I can. President uh, Penny, President Quarter, and President Dime. I don't know who the other guy is. And then Mr. T says, uh, well, then the teacher says, or the woman, like, well, that's an interesting way to put it. That guy's Theodore Roosevelt, or Teddy Roosevelt. And then Mr. T says, yeah, every time I've ever seen him, he's been on a horse. Well, we're about to the <laughs> meet, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's so weird. No, because the kid's like, well, which one's he on? And then Mr. T pops in, uh, well, every time I've seen him, he's on a horse. <laughs> like, I love Mr. T's, like, terrible delivery of jokes. It's so good. What's that? I, I understand the joke, but it's not funny to me. I mean, I, I love that he's on a horse all the time because, yeah, he's right. Theodore, Teddy Roosevelt, that's what he was. And that's funny. Okay, yeah, I guess I do get the joke. Yeah, yeah it's a joke. It's, it's just his joke. delivery that is, is weird. Yeah, you, you question if it's a joke because his delivery is so weird, which is what's great about Mr. T. People who enjoy animation, or at least bad animation, listen up. They're on a bus. At one point, uh, as Woody's talking to Mr. T... We see Woody from the side of everyone on the bus go to Mr. T. Then we come back, and Woody is not on a bus anymore, but he's in a movie theater in what looks like movie theater seats. <laughs> it's supposed to be the bus, but it is a very bad drawing, and it's a very bad transition. People who are, like, in different rows suddenly appear behind him, and, like, again, some breaking of, like, the fourth dimension where we're seeing all of the bus... It's a kind of a version of analytical cubism where, like, we're seeing all of the representation of things in one ah. frame, and it's very strange. But I love the cartoon for this. Amazing. Um, we get to the gymnastics meet. Woody's got some problems. Oh, he's not performing as well as usual, and everyone knows it. <laughs> I, we only see him... Now, we, again, remember, we saw a gravity physics-defying stunts in the opening to this. We don't see any of that here. Mm-mm. Woody is fucking up big time. Like, dude is like just like he's got himself up on the bars and he kind of like throws his thrusts his body forward and like bounces off the landing pad 
and then like kind of walks on and then like does the uh, gymnastics like salute and everyone's like that was shit <laughs> the fuck and one of his uh, female I don't remember her name um Robin 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 yeah Robin gets out a note- piece of notebook paper and says you know what I think I know what's wrong and she writes something in secret on this notebook paper and then says hey Woody um can you read this note and Woody, of course, scrambles. Uh, 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 and Mr. T snatches it and then reads it. And it's essentially if you like, if you can't if you can't read this, you need to get your eyes checked. Why did she write that? <laughs> it could have been anything. It could have been the a word, and then be like, "Oh, dude, you can't read that word. You must need eyes." But it is—is is that would this qualify as like a weird passive aggressive? Like, I listen. He's the one. He's coming off. He's squinting. He's trying to see. Like, it's obvious what he needs to get his eyes checked. But to but to write call down, him out. if you, you can't read this, you need to get your eyes. It is the it is a true call out. Yeah, and I guess She's the only shaming. way I'm yeah. all shaming him. And if Mr. T raised you as a gymnast and a detective, I guess that's how you would interact with everyone. Mrs. Bisbee's the name of the uh, the woman, and she's the, uh, oh, she's supposed to be the well-mannered bus driver who loves mystery novels. Mm-hmm. Her catchphrase is, my stars and garters. She isn't driving the bus. Mr. T is driving the bus. I'm sure they probably take shifts. It's a long drive across the country. So while they're at this meet and spending the next day in the village next to Mount Rushmore, the city, Mr. T demands that Woody get an eye exam. I don't care if you're out. Of, I don't care if you're out of network. I don't care what's going on. You will get an eye exam and take care of this. It, it, like they all get on the bus, and then Woody walks over, and he's like, "Oh, I'm. I don't want to. What if I need glasses? If I, get, if, I have to, if, if I have to get glasses, then I'll get kicked off the team." Whoa. Why? It's, that's crazy. So he walks over towards um, the ophthalmologist. And he looks in the window, and then he decides just to walk around the other way to the motorcycle rental <laughs> shop, which luckily is next door. This is amazing. This is just amazing. No preamp, nothing to prepare no. you for this. He's like, fuck glasses. I'm going to ride a motorcycle. Can a kid even rent a motorcycle? It's a great question. Gets I on that mean... little motorcycle, goes out to the country to visit his scientist friend, or his engineer friend. In 1984, you could just be like... You could just, like, give a kid, hey, kid, here's some money, uh, go, go get your eyes checked. Or rent a motorcycle. <laughs> Whatever. I've never seen this in the history of television, where you're giving kids money to go do something, like a doctor's visit, and then they decide to just blow it on a motorcycle. This is a first, I think, and I love it. It's great. It's great. Giving kids money to do something and then them spending it on something frivolous like candy? Yes. But a motorcycle rental? I that just is love that there is a shop. It's a shop that just has motorcycle rentals. <laughs> like, all right, well, okay, cool. I guess, I guess. I I remember in high school, uh, the baseball players talking about how they went on a baseball meet in Florida, and one of the highlights of it was they got to rent four wheelers and drive them around downtown in some place. Surely it wasn't Orlando. I think it was close to a beach, but they had to have like the coach sign off for them. And I'm thinking. Then, no. No. <laughs> You're like no. 17 or 18 year olds on mo- like on four wheelers in downtown any city, anywhere? Yeah. That was reckless. <laughs> like, that is you're, you're not... just asking for the school system to get a lawsuit. Yeah. This reminded me of that. 
but yeah. Woody, Woody's better. Woody goes out to the fucking country. Woody could get kidnapped. Woody's just like, Woody could have driven to another city. He could have gone home. Who knows what the fuck's going on? I mean, already the ring's on the wall, I'm, and I, I'm like, oh, wow. Well, I guess clearly him renting a motorcycle and driving off into the middle of nowhere is not a good idea. I He's probably going to get some kind of accident. What I was not expecting <laughs> was that he would, he would try to go visit his friend, the scientist, um... His scientist friend wouldn't be home, so he'd go out to his barn, wouldn't find him there, but there would be uh, a big hole where that UFO was, and then a big hole in the roof. So he's like, well, I guess I'll drive back to town, back to the hotel. Of course, he can't see Alex, he misses the sign, and he ends up going not to Rapid City, but to not Rapid City. <laughs> Guys, so we see through his eyes... Because we see from his perspective, Woody, when he looks at the sign that says Rapid City and there's a giant arrow, that even blurred is an arrow. Mm-hmm. And it points to, even blurry, what looks like a bustling, like a, a little city, mm-hmm. as opposed to the wilderness, which is the other trail. And yeah. Woody just, Woody's like, you know what? I'm just going off into the country. It's just pinning me tonight. Let's just go. Listen, I rented this motorcycle and I'm going to live my life. Um... So it's late night now. Um, he's lost, and then a UFO comes along. And Woody is kind of like not even really shocked. There's at one point when the UFO is tailing him, and he looks over his shoulder, and we see his face. No shock, just like acceptance. Like, all right, okay, something you see every day. I mean, I can kind of see it, I guess, because I have blurred vision. Maybe I don't know. Um, and this UFO fucking chases him up a cliff. Uh-huh. And of course, he, he doesn't see well, and he drives this motorcycle off a cliff. It, the motorcycle plummets to the fucking ground, and he fucking lands on a branch, uh, probably probably doing a lot of damage, um, definitely some internal damage, at night. Cut to the next morning... Wait, time out. The only things I want to mention here is before he goes off this uh, this other cliff he can't see, he does do a wicked flip. Or not a flip, but like a, a, a wicked jump. Yeah, it's true. From one like two-story cliff down to a ground, and you're like, wow, stunts. Also, my favorite part of him falling is the motorcycle and him go over the edge. Um, we see him get caught by the branch, and then his helmet comes off. One of the times, again, in this episode where the animators go out of their way to do something, but they don't normally do. We're defying the laws of physics, but you guys remember him wearing a helmet? We need to get rid of the helmet because he's not going to have a helmet in the next scene. Hit the branch. That's when his head will like go and the helmet will fly off. Nice. Why? Why are you overdoing it? I mean, I love it. I appreciate it because it's equally silly to me. I laughed when this happened because I thought you'd, they could have just both fallen off and gone. Another, you didn't have to like pause and have it go in, but it's great. Nice. I'd like to think this was something that was specifically written into the script. Um, I he's definitely not going to deposit back on that fucking uh, motorcycle. Oh rental. no! So I hope he took out the extra insurance. So the next morning, little Spike is like, "Hey, he, he, Woody didn't come home at all last night. His bed hasn't even been touched." And Mr. T's like, "Oh, I must have fallen asleep waiting up for him." Yeah, right, Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> he just went to bed. <laughs> I just like the idea of Mr. T like being a surrogate father to these kids and really was waking up like, looking at his watch and fell asleep like sitting up in a like a, a hotel like stiff chair with his arms crossed just waiting <laughs> feet from the door oh. 
So uh, they're gonna go off looking for him. They're like, oh, well, he probably went to see his scientist friend. So they're like, alright, well, let's, let's go out there. They go to the house. No one's home. So then they go out to the barn. Investigate. Oh, what's, what was this here? And then, um, what is her name? Oh, Kim. Kim says, hey, look at this, this mark on the ground here. This looks exactly like, uh, what, like the crop circles that UFOs make when they land. What? <laughs> well, that's an interesting play. Mr. T, uh, posits that maybe it looks like someone had a campfire inside. It looks like a campfire someone had inside of a barn. No, Mr. T. This is quite obviously the same type of formation that happens when a UFO lands or takes off. And then everyone else is like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, UFOs aren't real. Really? How to explain this circle and the giant circle-like hole in the top of the barn. And then Mr. T's like, well, we don't know that UFOs aren't possible. Yeah, there's a lot of credence. Like, one person says, like, look, I think they're silly, but I'm not going to rule it out. All right. It's okay. All right. That's All cool, right. gumshoe. <laughs> I mean, you're you're the crime-solving mastermind. I guess I'm not going to question it. Uh, but then Spike's like, hey, guys, come in here. You should check this out. And then, guys, then we play a little game called Raise the Kookiness. Because I wasn't prepared for this. Like, no. so much of this show comes out of nowhere. I, I listen. I to pick the episode we were gonna watch. I skimmed Wikipedia, um, which has like a listing of all the episodes, and so I knew we were getting to some UFO UFO shenanigans. What I didn't see was mention of a robot, Mister T. Like, did the scientist know Mister T? Like, why did he make a robot, Mister T? I mean, T two. Yeah, why did the scientist make Mister T two? This predates Terminator 2, correct? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just making this, sure. This predates Terminator 1. T2. Mr. T, the cartoon, was ahead of its time in weird ways. Yeah. Um, so did this scientist make, like, a Mr. T sex robot? Like, what's happening? <laughs> like, we can only... We, uh, Brad. Is he fucking this robot? I'm walking into this situation. I see a, a, a robot called Mr. T2. The, my only assumption is, much like... This looks like a UFO landing, therefore it must be a UFO, is that this looks like a walking, talking sex robot. It must be a sex robot. But does the scientist know Mr. T? He just knows the kid, Woody. Yeah. How are they friends? Why are they friends? I... I think he was getting, he was trying to be friends with Woody so that Woody would give him stuff of Mr. T so he can make this robot as accurate as possible. So, Woody, uh, let me ask you a question, uh, um, about Mr. T, uh... Does he like to snuggle at night? What? Never mind. Just curious. For a project I'm working on. Just curious. Cool. Okay, I'm gonna go solve a mystery. Alright, Woody. Alright. <laughs> uh, maybe you can come by later and tell me some more of your Mr. T stories. I'd love to hear about them. I wish Mr. T would train me. Hmm. <laughs> So many questions. Do you at think he'd let me call him Coach T? <laughs> it's it's weird. I mean, like it's uh, and like Mr. T is not happy about a robot, Mr. T. The banter is awesome. Oh, it's like great. the back and forth is amazing. I pity the fool who messes with my buttons. <laughs> hey, Mr. T, does he remind you of somebody? Nobody I know. Listen, you junkyard reject. Who 
Are you calling that junkyard reject? You metal man! What am I doing arguing with a pile of tin? We got to find Woody. Name's Mr. T2. Anything I can do? <laughs> That'll be the day. But Mr. T's like disses toward the robot are like at a weird juvenile level that you're thinking, Mr. T, you're an adult. You don't have to say things like, all right, tin can. Mr. T is very threatened by a robotic version of himself. As he should be. Yeah. Um, but luckily, uh, um, um, the dog, uh, uh, Dozer, um, has found um, the tracks of Woody's um, ridden motorcycle. So now they're on the case. So they, they're following the tracks, and all of a sudden, um, they see the tracks are leading up towards the top of a cliff where buzzers are swarming. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Oh no! Oh, he's dead. Oh, he is dead. Me. Buzzards are picking his innards out of the corpse that is <sighs> hanging over the river. And that's how Woody died in the middle of season two. <laughs> well, and the th- crazy thing is that Mr. T actually has a line. He's like... Like, he's like, oh, there's buzzards swarming, swarming over there. I sure hope it's not Woody. Like, fuck. <laughs> like, you they can't casually do that. You, they absolutely posit the fact that Woody's dead corpse may be just over the cliff. If you were an adult and supervising children and you think a kid might be dead, you do not say that to the kids. I know my sister said that to kids when they were like... What happened, Miss Green? She's like, look, I'm just gonna tell you straight. That boy you think has been missing for is dead. Is dead. Ah, you don't tell kids on a bus that. I bet those buzzards are circling and eating Woody. <laughs> I hope there's With enough the his body for us to take home to his family. <laughs> but um, then even more crazy shit happens. So they get there. Woody's not dead, but he's being circled by the buzzards. Mr. T's like, holy fuck! Quick, guys, get the ropes. Get the ropes. Yeah, get the ropes. Oh, he'll ask for something weirder later on. Don't worry. <laughs> so the kids know what to do because the kids of Mr. T are, like, professionals. So the kids tie an awesome knot around the bumper of the bus. Mr. T ties the rope around him, and then he rappels down to the branch. And yeah. Woody's, like, becoming conscious. What the fuck? Mr. T's like, give me your hand. And Woody, as he moves, breaks the branch, and he's about to die. Wait, wait, we, we gotta back up. Because when Mr. T's wait, rappelling wait, down, the buzzards start to come for him. Oh, yeah, And I Mr. T screams at them to get them to leave him alone. In the weirdest scream ever. Like, I'm gonna have to play that, because... Can you... Watch out, Mr. T! Imagine being in the studio when you're giving the director, okay, Mr. T, kind of scream like a bird. And that's what you hear. Because clearly the, the what's intended in the script is for him to scream at the birds to get them to leave him alone. They probably just wrote in the script, screams at the birds. But Mr. T screams as though he's being attacked by birds. And he looks shocked, but yeah. the birds leave. So clearly, clearly the end goal was supposed to be, he's supposed to scream like, go, get out of here, get out of here. And then the birds go away. They were leaving it open to interpretation. But instead, Mr. T says, Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and then the birds are gone. <laughs> it's amazing. It, it's yes. <laughs> Everyone made weird decisions all on every front. Oh yeah. Oh. So Woody's branch breaks. He starts falling. Mister T leaps further. Like I guess just lets the rope go as it will, as opposed to like a controlled descent. Grabs Woody. The kids grab the rope, make it taunt, and the. They're safe. They're dangling. 
they ask Mrs. Uh, Bibsy uh, to drive the bus back so that they can they can pull the rope up. But of course, it's going to fray the rope, and it starts to fray the rope. So they're getting close to the top, and Mr. T, through sheer will, because I'm not sure how other than adrenaline this will happen, picks up Woody and throws him back up over the cliff. Yeah. And then the rope snaps. And they're like, oh no, Mr. T. We linger on the edge of the cliff, and we're led to believe for the briefest of seconds that it's over. And then that hand comes over. Or Mr. T's voice comes over, and he's like, kids, what? There's cracks in the side of the mountain. I can easily just grab into those and scale. I didn't need the rope to begin with. <laughs> like, Thanks for worrying, though. Mr. T is putting out a lot of dangerous ideas to children. Like, yes. oh, don't worry, kids. You can just climb on the cliff. Um, later he jumps out of a building. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> like, I mean, oh, this is uh, this is the gl- most gloriously irresponsible nonsense ever. Like, 1984, thank you. Thank you, 1984. There are three preteens and or like just young teenagers helping a grown man just jump off the side of a fucking cliff. Yeah. The rope. Yeah. There's no way this works. But I just love the... To, co- the ter- to collect their friend who has been lying unconscious, um, hunched over a branch for tr- 12 hours, it seems. Yeah. Like, I don't... God, it's amazing. It's just great. Oh, so good. Like, this is... This is the most perfect episode of any show we've ever watched. As they drive off um, to go to the hospital to get Woody some attention, we see two men on a far cliff watching. Yes. They get to the doctor's office. The doctor, who's got an interesting look to him. He looks like Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. The dad from uh, that 70s show and Robocop. Oh, yeah. Um, And he's like, yeah, yeah, Woody's fine. Um, A little roughed up, but nothing too crazy. And they're like, great. And the doctor's like, can we, we can just char- charge him pretty soon. And Mr. T says, no. <laughs> We're glad he's okay, but while he's here, you check those eyes. <laughs> Mr. T is adamant about this eye checking, which with good reason, but I just love how, like, like dead set he is on this. Um, the kids go with Mr. T to go back down, I guess, to get refreshments or to chill downstairs. And two men pass with an empty gurney, their path on the way to the elevator. And one of the kids, is it Kim? Yeah. Yeah. She kind of looks at it, the ki- the people for a minute and then in the elevator says, why were those guys wearing mountain boots instead of like Crocs? Because all people who work in, I guess, medical field wear Crocs? I don't know. She didn't say Crocs specifically, normal footwear for if, if I ever saw a doctor wearing Crocs, I would have to get a new doctor immediately. Like, there was- listen, cons- conspiracy, uh, right-wing conspiracies are one thing, Crocs are another. <laughs> So, one of the, the last Crocs plant in the United States closed recently. People were scared that Crocs may be gone. Rest Listen, a lot, a lot of people are complaining about um, Trump's tariffs. Um, but you know what? There are some benefits, okay? <laughs> there are some benefits. Yeah. Well, well, the Crocs shut down only to have their shoes reopen in other countries. Like, they're just having third parties manufacture them. They've of quit course. making them. It's gone overseas. Of course, that's that's how all businesses work, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're like, wait a minute, those guys weren't on the up and up, and they decide to all go to try to head off these guys at the pass, because these guys are stealing Woody, and Woody, as they're wheeling him out, Woody's like, what's up with me? Like, I thought this was just like an eye exam. What's going on? Um, these guys are cornered, they go into some sort of like radiology lab, 
They put huge heavy equipment in front of the door to kind of block Mr. T. And the kids think, wait, there's more than one way to, to get into someplace. So they go on the roof and then either jump in through a window or jump in through a skylight. I, yeah, I'm not sure how, what the how, what the organization of this building is. It seems like it's a building that has smaller buildings inside of it. Like it's a fucking mall. I don't understand. I do love, because the, the, uh, the mystery guys who are trying to kidnap Woody do a lot of things to try to stop the kids. And one of them is to also um, throw like a meal cart at them. And two of the kids do somersaults out of the way. They're gymnasts, so of course they're yeah. want to like tumble. And one kid straight up jumps and does a backflip back onto the cart that was thrown at him. He gets yes. a pie and tries to do some wisecrack about um, lunch was on me, but dinner, uh, but dessert's on you. And he throws the pie at these criminals, and they just kind of look at each other and step out of the way, and the pie slams Mr. T in the face. This kid is terrified he that this happened. Is. This animation is great because he is like, fuck, Mr. T, I'm so sorry. There are so many times in these two episodes where these kids are like scared of pissing Mr. T off. And I love it. Oh, yeah, it's great. So, yeah, so uh, they, they've gotten away at this point um, and they're heading outside um, and they, they're throwing this kid in like the back of a car. And Mr. T sees this, so he's like, I'll just jump out of the fucking, uh, like, third-story window, and I'll just jump on the car. And it works. Yeah, it works. That has like, to be, what, three stories down at the least? At the least. I'm like, you could um, not put this in a kid's cartoon now. You cannot have somebody no. jump out of a building to the ground. It's gotta be 12 fucking yards from the edge of the building to the street. Yeah. It is insane. There is no fucking way that this would be possible, does no. it? No. Mr. No. T does it. Of course. Lands on top, and the guys are like, did you hear that? And then Mr. T, like, puts him, like pulls himself over in front of the windshield and looks directly at these these mystery kidnappers and is like, oh, hey, guys, what's up? I need you to pull over this uh, ambulance that you've stolen. They try to shake Mr. T, and in the process of shaking him, the back door to the ambulance opens up, and the gurney that freaking Woody is on flies out the back. Guys, I was not prepared for this. No, how could you be? And so, yeah, he... So that gurney is, like, flying um, down the street, and Mr. T, of course, jumps off and starts chasing it. And then, like, it rolls past, like, a fucking red light, and Mr. T, as he's running towards the intersection... Starts yelling at the fucking traffic light. Change! Yes. Change! So, yeah, well, the gurney goes through a traffic light, and it thankfully turned green when it went through, so he was safe. But then the gurney goes up a slight incline, and Woody thinks he's safe, and then he looks at the camera and says, Oh, no. And then he starts going back down the hill to the same intersection. That will kill him, because Mr. T has to yell at it or command it to stop. At this point, Woody is shaken. I just love that Mr. T yells at a traffic light to change, and it and does. It, it does. I mean, wouldn't you? Come on. <sighs> so at this point, um, the kids have realized that one, Woody, God, there's some crazy shit happening. They, but, they take him back in to be examined again. The doctor's like, I can't fucking believe this shit. <laughs> um, like, I, two crazy accidents in one day, but he doesn't have a scratch on him. It's crazy. Well, get him that eye exam. Um, but yeah, they also noticed that the, uh, the two mystery men dropped a piece of paper, which is basically a treasure map to a point where they're going to rendezvous with something. 
And they also notice that there's ink on on him, which I don't really understand. Never what, comes back. Never, never. Oh, comes. it's because they made counterfeit money. Oh, that's right. Why is it purple? That, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, purple, I, I guess it's the ink could be purple. I, I don't, who knows. So they okay. try to go out to go to the rendezvous point in the van or the bus, and then the UFO comes by and kidnaps them and then drops them off on top of a, like a plateau that they can't get da- down from. And these people are stranded. At which time Mr. T says, kids, get the mountain climbing equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids do it. Like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Like, what all is in this bus? Oh, get the mountain climbing equipment, kids. Mr. T thinks of everything. It's a good thing we packed this mountain climbing equipment. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love this so much. So, um, yeah, it's, it's basically night, and these kids are rappelling and climbing down a, a sheer rock face. We climbed with, with Mr. T, all of them, except for uh, Miss Bisbee still at the top. She's there. Um, and Miss Bisbee has a, sh- a rock in her shoe. And Mr. T's like, woman, why haven't you taken care of that already? Get it out of your shoe. And she's like, all right. I she love takes how out this- dismissive he is. Oh, yeah. Well, if you've got a pebble in your shoe, just take it out. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> like, you should have done this already. Don't be a fool. Ouch. What's wrong, Bisbee? It's just a pebble in my shoe, Mr. T. Well, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Take the pebble out of your shoe. So she takes it out and throws it down, like, just throws it down. It goes over the edge of the cliff. It causes a fucking landslide. Or, okay, an avalanche is probably the better thing. A landslide is too much. But, but yeah, yeah. Like a weird rock avalanche, and the people are like, fuck. So they get trapped in some sort of cave on the side of the mountain. And they're stuck in there. This is when Miss Bisbee says, wait a minute, I remember I uh, stole the remote control that one kid, the the insanely overly complicated uh, and very well drawn control for like the few frames it's even in here. Again, uh, the attention to detail in some scenes is ridiculous, but fun. She took that from uh, Spike. Spike. So she calls Mr. T2, who comes and helps. Like, I love the range of this remote control. She's like, hey, uh, Mr. T2, uh, this is Miss Bisbee, um, we're stuck up on the top of a butte, um, uh, UFO left us up here, uh, can you help us out? So he comes. He has roller skate feet. <laughs> like, he is j- rolling to them as fast as he can. Mr. T and them are c- contemplating death, because one of the kids is like, we're gonna run out of oxygen, we're sealed in here, we're <gasps> fucked, don't panic. And Mr. T says, guys, if we just if we do this fast and like not in a panic, we'll have enough oxygen. Well, they get down to the last boulder and they can't move it themselves, but that's when T2 comes in and says, look, if you guys push from inside, I'll pull from outside, we'll get it out. And they do. And then they have a moment. Mr. T finally appreciates Mr. T2. My favorite part in this entire thing is when, right when the avalanche happens, Woody looks up horror in his eyes and he says, this just isn't my day. <laughs> wonderful line it's great so great it's pretty great um so they're like ah well oh there goes the ufo we got to catch up to it there's no way we can we don't have any what mr t says what we need is some transportation and they happen across like i wild horses i thought they were donkeys but they have to be horses yeah um and the horses are cool they're legit and the kids and Mr. T jump on the back bareback on these horses and just ride at night. What kind of amazing fantasy is this? Listen, it's just some gymnast solving mysteries with Mr. T and a robot. We climb down a mountain. 
a, a sentient robot helped us. Chasing a UFO. Back, chasing a UFO. <laughs> like, oh. this is the stuff of dreams. I want to be there. Like, this is... this is a, Mr. T is there. Mr. T is your friend. This is... I mean, like, this is everything I want. This is yeah. everything I want. If I could just... Listen, if there's a magic genie listening to the podcast that's willing to grant me a wish, I want I want to be on, on this team. <laughs> we roll into a situation that's kind of Hurricane Heistist, I think. Absolutely Hurricane Heist. So they go up. The whole point is this UFO was going to take a uh, an armed vehicle like that had money in it, uh, who was taking that money to be burned. Right. It's 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 much like Hurricane Heist. It's old bills that are going to be destroyed. So what these guys did is they kidnapped the armored truck with the cash in it, um, and knocked them out, and then they're replacing the money that was going to be destroyed with their counterfeit bills because they know that these guys won't report the fact that they were abducted by by a UFO because they'll sound crazy and no one will know because they because the counterfeit money will be destroyed and no one will be the wiser. Brilliant scheme. <laughs> this like, plan was five years in the making. They did it at some diner late at night. They drew up the plans, and then the Brad. The only thing standing in their way was the fact that they needed to act, then find a UFO. Yeah, which took them a while to find something similar. Well, the only thing that's standing in their way is for whatever reason they went after this kid. <laughs> like, if they just left him alone, they could have gotten completely away with this. Yeah. Well, the like, kid knew about the UFO, kinda, but not really. Still, like, I mean, who would connect it to an armored truck and, like, there's so many pe- moving pieces. Like, I, and also, like, the money's gonna be destroyed. Like, let these guys get the money. Like, I'm always for people, like, stealing, like, money. Like, great. Fuck the system. Um, get that money. Like, I, like, it's wrong that you kidnapped this guy and stole his property. Um, it's fu- You guys should all get on this together. I'll get on it together. Like, let, let the, the armor truck guys in on it, too. Like, all of you get together. You'll split the money. It'll be a perfect plan. The Olympics are expensive, kids. You gotta have real money before you get before you can go there and compete with the best minds in the world to solve the toughest crimes yeah. of history. Um, so, yeah, these burglars think they've got it under control. They got all the money. They're about to go back in their UFO. And then, what is that? It sounds like a, it sounds like a stampeding herd of... What are, are those kids and a Mr. T on horseback storming uh, storming at us? We gotta get back in that UFO. Mr. T and Mr. T2 keep the UFO UFO's like hatch door open long enough for Woody and the Mr. T's to get in. And the kids are on the ground level. And yeah, it's just a crazy uh, fight inside. Yeah. Um, there's a great bit where Mr. T's like, Who, wait, who's flying this UFO? No, God, what does he say? He, I mean, of course he says, I hate flying. But I, I especially hate flying UFO style. <laughs> <laughs> so Woody takes the reins, which again is not a good idea. He stills kind of blind. The robot is the best candidate to drive this thing. Well, but Mr. T says, I can't fly a UFO. And the robot says, I can't fly anything. <laughs> which I love. I love that the scientist also um, programmed the robot to be scared of flying. <laughs> <laughs> but it also the way he says I can't fly anything also makes it think that he maybe he flew before to, with ill results maybe there was another Mr. T1 <laughs> oh, I, I just think he's programmed the same fear of flying that Mr. T has because what he, he, wants it, he wants it to be a more he wants oh, it to be the most yeah. realistic Mr. T experience possible it has to be uh, Woody crashes the UFO into the top of Route Rushmore but on top of it 
The criminals then get out and start scaling Mount Rushmore. Yeah, How? What the fuck are you doing? Hey, just do it. Just why not? Why not? Like, these guys are, like, look, these guys are going to get away. <laughs> like, they're going to figure this shit out. They had a perfect plan. So, as the criminals are scaling down Mount Rushmore, the kids at the bottom, who are left behind, say, guys, we got to go up and help. They start climbing the fucking Mount Rushmore from the bottom. Yeah. You're children. I, these are adults. They might have a gun. They have a UFO. <laughs> yeah. The audacity of these kids. Oh. Mr. T looks at Mr. T2. Mr. T2 nods, gets out a rope. Doesn't even have to be asked. He's just like, I'm going to do my mountain climbing again. And then Woody says, dude, I'm going to help you. And Mr. T says, shut up, blind. Yo, blindy. <laughs> not, with no, not with that eyesight. <laughs> yeah, he says, not with those eyes. He's like, dude. <laughs> oh. Mr. T basically just like Tarzan's in and like kicks one of the guys. I'm assuming careening to his death, but he doesn't. He lands somewhere. They, they eventually apprehend him, and money starts raining from the sky. Spike collects as much as he can into his pockets. The other kids do something else weird with rope. Oh, they lasso like Washington's nose, and then they use that to again Tarzan in a weird way to get the other guy, and then they apprehend him, and that's it. They got to give all the money back. Spike tries to keep some for himself. Mr. T calls him out on it because Mr. T is not going to let that happen. So, uh, yeah. So they've given all the money back. Um, so now they're all in the waiting room um, as Woody's finally getting his eyes checked. <laughs> Mr. T, I'm not letting you out of my sight to get them damn eyes checked. <laughs> we haven't had it rough enough. Before we go home, you will get your eyes checked. <laughs> he comes out and everyone's like dude you don't have glasses on check it guys contacts I can look, stay on the team you could have always stayed on the team look closer contact lenses <gasps> I, it's uh, it's great then we go back to live action Mr. T and he's like hey don't delay oh also before we go back to live action Mr. T they in the eye doctor, they all look at each other and realize that they've left Bibs, Bibs, Bib, Bibs, Bis, Bisby. Bisby, sorry, and the dog on the on the top of that plateaued mountain, and they have to go save them. But yeah. with what is anyone's guess at this point? Oh, we left all of our mountain climbing gear up there. We'll have to go buy some more mountain climbing gear. Yes. Guys, that's the app. Oh. It is amazing. Like, I love this episode of television. It is, it is my favorite thing we have watched in some time it is so great winners and losers friend <sighs> uh, winner uh, um we you know the scientist got rescued by mr t which i believe is what he's always wanted <gasps> i think you're the right professor professor may be the winner the professor wins like God, yes, he wins yes, he's got, yes he's got his his cold robotic mr t too but to be, but to have two Mr. T's rescuing him, he's gonna, gonna come have, true. That that's at least a five-page journal entry mm-hmm. into his uh, special journal that he keeps secret. <laughs> My Mr. T mystery. <laughs> um. So he wins. Who Woody loses? Right. I mean, Woody eventually gets his eyesight back, but Woody goes through a lot of shit to get it. Yeah. He also gets shamed the entire time. With the climax of the episode, we're going to get that. We're fighting. We're, we're getting these things on Mount Rushmore. Hey, kid, you're basically blind. Stay here. 
He also spends 12 hours on a branch with <laughs> buzzards <Jesus>. going. <laughs> Dang, you know he got packed. You know he was on the precipice oh, of death. He probably gave up out there. He was out there for so long, he accepted that yeah. death was going to happen. Oh, he was ready for it. He was the contemplating whether he should just fall or, like, try to kill himself. Like The hard part now is he's got to go on living. Like, after yeah. having accepted his death, which is not easy to do. So he would he loses in a big way. Yeah. God, can you imagine falling on nothing about? <laughs> also, don't forget he's he's, he's gonna pay. Uh, he lost his deposit on that motorcycle he rented. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be hundreds of dollars. His parents were prepared for that. And fuck, he lost the competition. His original gymnast competition, the thing he's supposed yeah. to be good at, he lost because he couldn't see. Because he has slightly blurred vision, I don't think that would affect your gymnast skills as much. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Yeah, a lot of that is routine and like muscle memory. The harder question here, Brad, is best dressed, worst dressed. Hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I think Robin is best dressed because she doesn't keep on the tracksuit the entire time. She has just a nice, cool outfit for the '80s. Hmm. But she does that through every okay. episode. She has a different outfit than the rest of the team. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, I can I can go for that. Unless you want to nominate Mr. T, which I think also, or even um, Little Spike, who has the same outfit as Mr. T. It's just a tiny version, which I think makes it more adorable. I mean, it's it's certainly adorable that he dresses like Mr. T, but I mean, it's just a it's just a pale imitation of Mr. T. So I I don't think we could ever give it to Spike. Just in the fact that Mr. T is always the better dressed Mr. T of the three people dressed as Mr. T in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the third? Ro- Mr. T too. Oh, I forgot. Robots are people. I'm so sorry. Alex. Yes, of course. <laughs> Listen, um, hair, hair is not fashion as far as this podcast goes, but robots are people. This is an achievement in television. There is something magical about this episode. It's it's truly it's everything I could have wanted and so much more. Um but who's worst dressed? That's the hard part. What about Miss Bisbee? Yes. Mr. B- Miss Bisbee's just frumping. Yeah. Nothing about her outfit is cool or exciting. She's not trying. She's got a floppy hat. I don't like that. I mean, unless we want to look at the the live action segment for some <laughs> for some crazy 80s outfits, but I mean, those are kids. I'm not going to fault children. Some of them are very faultable, though. I'll say that for the record. Yeah, that's uh-huh. that's yeah. that's the first episode, of Mr. T. Sh- shall we continue to the next episode? Let's do it. Second. Oh God, I'm sorry. The worst dress might be the umpire uh, kid because he has on um- umpire gear for starters, but it is completely mismatched from his dark blue short shorts that are short, but also like the shorts waistline is. Like past his 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 tummy, a short sleeve white collared polo. That kid's sweating. That kid is not having a good time. All right, friends. Well, hey, guess what? It's yet again that special time of the week where we check in with our super best pal, Mr. T. Be summarizing the fourth episode in the third season, the final season of Mr. T. Um, and this one's called The Playtown Mystery. Original date, October 5th, 
1985. Get a minute on the clock. Don't blow it. Uh, one second, one second, one second. Marvin. Marvin and Dingy. Marvin and Dingy. Marvin and Dingy. Got it. Marvin and Dingy. Alright, I can do this. I want to go. Three, two, one, go. Alright, so uh, the gang is at Playtown, a.k.a. Disney World, a.k.a. Playtown, um, where, uh, you know, they're they're super excited. They're getting the key to the city of, of Playtown slash Disney World. I don't really know what's going on. I guess we're all their mysteries solved or something. Um, Spike, of course, being the youngest, is super excited about being at Disney World slash Playtown. Um, and he's going to go get, he's excited to see uh, um, uh, Marvin the Mouse and Dingy Dog. Um, and he's trying to get their autographs, but they keep trying to murder him. <laughs> Why, you ask? Oh, because there's... What you don't realize is that um, Frontier um, Town um, connects to, like, a, a, a gold reserve or something? A gold refinery? Um, so the mayor of the of Playtown is secretly tunneling into uh, steal gold and they keep trying to kill the kid and Mr. T they solve the mystery in the end and stop the bad guys one minute thank you thank you, thank you. I'd like to thank Mr. T uh, Mr. Lawrence Sherrod thank you um, gymnast I'd like to thank you Carl Marx I'd like to thank you uh, a lot of people I'd like to thank um, Alex of course I'd like to thank you um, but mostly, mostly I want to thank Mr. T. <laughs> That's okay. Playtown Mystery does not reach the same heights as the UFO one, but it is still good. Yeah, I, I picked it um, just because in the descriptions there was lots of talk of people wearing mascot costumes. Um, and I was like, well, that's, I mean, that sounds, that sounds good. I'll take that. Didn't realize it was going to be <laughs> set at Disney World, which was fun. Um, I just love the idea of, like, what if Frontierland in Disney World connected to a fucking gold um, refinery? I think it'd be amazing. I mean, a little weird. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Like, if you, you can just, like, get off uh, Splash Mountain, and, like, if you go just to the left, you can find actual gold. <laughs> that glitter's real gold, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe it's all on uh, Tom Sawyer's Island, or Huck Finn's Island, or whatever that is. Truth. So, uh, we start out the episode, uh, in live action, um, as per usual, and <laughs> Mr. T is trying to scam some kids. <laughs> He's, uh... Three solo cups, there's a ball or something underneath it, he's like, alright, which one is it under? Keep your eyes on it, keep your eyes on it, and he's moving back and forth, and all the kids are like, that one! They're like, alright, you got it. But he takes the ball, or whatever the fuck's underneath the cup, and he puts it in his hands, and he does like a, a crisscross between them really fast. He's like, alright, which hand is it in? That one! He's like, are you sure? Hey, little kid. And there's like a kid who's, I guess, slightly younger than all the other kids. Which one do you think it's in? Go ahead. And she's like, that one? And the other kid's like, no, that's stupid. You're just a little brat kid. And he's like, hey, 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 hey. You guys are down on her because she's the youngest one. But sometimes, the youngest people, what they say is true. Just like this time, and I remember from yesteryear. <laughs> just this time, no one listened to Spike because he was little. Let's take a look at that. <laughs> Who are you talking to, Mr. T? Who's Spike? I said fucking listen. <laughs> Don't say his name. Don't say his name. <laughs> oh God, Spike! I'm so sorry. I wasn't there. <laughs> Let's just say oh. buzzards appear in Mr. T more than once. Why did Mr. T two go berserk? 
<laughs> he killed them all. He killed them all. <laughs> Damn you, Professor Robotnik. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, this one just goes straight up into Playtown, which is Disney. Yeah. Uh, verbatim. It's got yeah, every little village or, like, section of Disney. Uh, it starts off, and Mr. T is and, and the gymnast are getting the key to Playtown from the mayor, whom is bumbling and, and dropping things constantly. They drop the key into the grate. The mayor's like, oh, I got more. Don't worry about it. And as Brad said, Spike's super excited because he's never been to Disney before. Um, and he wants to go see the mouse and the dog. The elder boys, Jeff and Woody, are like, that's baby shit. Let's go Let's go to something cool, like that haunted house thing. Yeah, yeah. And Spike's like, well, that sucks. Hey, Mohawk Dog. Because uh, if we haven't mentioned it, the dog has a straight-up Mr. T Mohawk. Oh, yeah, it's um, great. He's like, let's you and me go and see if we can't catch up with... Um, what are Marvin, the mascot's names? Marvin and Dingy. Marvin Mouse and Dingy Dog. So he happens upon the two Marvin and Dingy's that are suspect. He doesn't know this. And, like, they're, like, in a little car, and they drive by him, and he's got Marvin Dingy balloons, and he's tr- he's chasing them down. And, like, eventually they're like, oh, fuck, I guess we're gonna have to stop. And he's like, hey, would you autograph my balloon? What? <laughs> would you autograph my balloon? <laughs> it's weird. With a pen? It'll pop it, you idiot. And they're like, sorry, you don't have a pen. And... Spike's like, well, I can go get one. And they're like, no, we don't have time. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. But is a legitimate response. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, honestly, they, they should have been able to get out of way with this without I, without any hassle. I Like, it's ridiculous. I don't understand. So, once the balloon deflated, you would have essentially, like, the deflated head of one of these characters with with their name on it? What's the appeal of this to this child? I mean, I don't understand the appeal of autographs to begin with. Like, like, why wouldn't you have them autograph a piece of paper or an autograph book? Like, why would you have them autograph a balloon? Jesus, That's there's... Weird. There's so much detail that they put into this episode. Like, a lot of the backgrounds... The fact that, like you said, they're carrying balloons of the characters' faces, which are just the characters' faces drawn. They can't do... They're not doing that great of an animation. Like, even the way that they hang on the string is not good. But the fact that they went into the detail of making the heads of the balloons that's going to be running with them, it's just an interesting level of detailed animation. Because they could have just had regular balloons and have, like, an autograph book with, like, you know, you know, Marvin Mouse on it or something. Like... It's very strange. Oh, also one of the first establishing shots is, like, you see, um, you see, like, um, an alligator by the water, which I was like, oh, yeah, that's real, that's some real Disney shit right there. Nineteen eighty-five, <laughs> fucking alligator rolling around, waiting to, to eat up a tourist. So, the Marvin and Dingy that are just the suspect ones drive up onto a, a hill above where they left Spike and the dog, and are like, that kid is too close. How? He just denied him an autograph. He doesn't know. <laughs> like, that kid's just gonna keep following us if we don't take care of him. Um, like, kids at Disney World, he, he'll find another Marvin Mouse. Like, like, chill. Like, both episodes, like, these criminals are just set on wrapping up loose ends to an extreme level. But if they had, I don't know. Maybe, it's, I, I don't know. Well, what they do is basically there's like a fucking maypole or something going on, um, and they fucking 
push it over. It seemed like they were like costume characters or, yeah. or something. I, I don't understand, but somehow they knock it over and like it f- goes down the hill and like um, Spike and Dozer get wrapped up in the ribbons and like <laughs> fall onto the fucking train tracks. And we see uh, Mr. T and some of the kids are about to hop on the train at Frontier Town. Um, what makes this even better is the fact that the animators decided to make the train uh, like a Thomas to take it. It has a face on it. Yes. Which is hilarious because they are terrified, obviously, because they all might die on the track. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm just, I'm, I'm just looking at the background of some of these shots. Like... And I love you, like, they, like, you can see, like, the, uh, you can see, like, the the monorail in the background. Oh, yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. So, and like, that, yeah, the, all the kids get on the tracks to try to save um, Spike and Dozer. And they do. They all jump into the lake and save them. But it, the barely. train is right there. Like, it is crazy. Like, Yeah. The funniest thing to me is that Mr. T is in the water. Him and the kid and the dog are in the water next to the shore, and he pulls them up out of what looks like six to five foot water. And then the girls walk behind them in what looks like ankle deep water. Yes. So, uh, okay. Mr. T's like, what the fuck were you doing, kid? Why were you messed up in that maypole? Did people die? Because weren't people around that maypole? And the uh, little Spike's like, I don't know. It just came down the hill. Who knows? Um, but guys, I think there's something up with, like, Dingy and Marvin. And they're like, what? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Uh, Marvin Mouse and Dingy Dog fucking tried to kill me. Uh-huh. Spike. Um, Spike. Um, are you sure you didn't just, like, get wrapped up in, like, a ribbon and fall onto a train track like an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Spike is what to do, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, then the mayor comes down and is like, oh my god, I can't... Bl-. And like, I'm not sure if she's coming down to say, oh my gosh, Mr. Teeth, I'm so glad you saved that kid. Or, oh my god, what the hell are you people doing? <laughs> like, you can't fucking uh, um, do that shit on Disney property. You're getting kicked out for life. <laughs> But we don't know, because she just keeps falling over and falls in the water and knocks Mr. T in the water. It's real kooky times. Um, yeah, no one believes the kid. Yeah. So he's going to have to go find evidence on his own. Uh, we cut to uh, um, um, Mar- the, the evil Marvin and Dingy. Um, they're uh, um, clearly, uh, they got a pickaxe and they're seemingly digging something up in Frontier Town. They're, they're digging a hole. We don't know why. Um, we do know that um, the guy playing the, in the ding, dinghy suit takes off his, his mascot head, but for whatever reason, Marvin Mouse stays in the costume. I knew immediately who it was, obviously. They have the same voice, so you're like, alright, cool. I, I didn't, be, just because of the fact that, like, you know, in these cartoons, the same person voices like a thousand people. Um, and I hadn't really noticed the fact that, she, that uh, um, Marvin hadn't taken off his Marvin mask because I was still just in awe of what a weird show this is. <laughs> well, the the dedication to making a unique show every episode is weird mm-hmm. because not unlike He-Man or Ninja Turtles, which uh, kind of did that, there are no shots they were using on this that I can tell. That's true. Like every every episode is original. Like we're redrawing everything and making yeah. it, which I give it credit for. Especially all this, like, uh, uh, Playtown stuff, because, like, there's so oh, much Disney in there, like, I, 
Yeah. These were people who loved what they did, and I appreciate that. I'm sure they didn't get paid much. Yeah. Well, there's even weird shit. Like, so, yeah, so they're contemplating, like, okay, we got we to find a way to kill that kid. We just got to find a way to kill it. We're excavating. We're digging a tunnel to go to the gold mine. We don't know this until later, but that's what they're doing. We got to find a way to kill that kid before he gets people, sus- like, on our trail to be suspicious of us. Well, um, Spike and um, the dog are back where they originally ran into Dingy and Marvin, and they're looking for clues. Spike, like an idiot, is on the ground smelling like a dog, which is super fucking weird. Um, But they eventually find, like, a piece of the clothing ripped from one of the um, characters, I think Marvin. Yeah. And they're going to use that to sniff out where Marvin and Dingy are. But in the, like, in the excitement of trying to find them, there is a buzzard character... Second time a buzzard's been used in this season. It's true. But it's a person in a suit on a unicycle, and they go by him so fast that he, like, gets tripped, and he falls into glue or honey? Taffy. He falls taffy. into taffy. Yeah. And then the bird person comes out and kind of looks at the camera like, oh, no. Why? Why? <laughs> it's very bizarre. I Like, I really feel like there should have been a line there. Like, that's a real, it's a living... <laughs> Yeah, but also, like, the way its neck is, I mean, we know it's supposed to be someone in a suit, but that's some weird puppeteering going on. Yeah. I don't... I, it's, think it's a re- I think it's a real buzzard. Oh my god. We, it's a real buzzard. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, uh, Mr. T and the rest of the kids are going to the, uh, um, the monster uh, horror house? Um, yeah. They're going to show them the evidence, which is just a piece of fabric with a smell on it. And this is supposed to prove everything. Um, so, yeah. So, Mr. T and the rest of the kids are going through the funhouse. And then, uh, yeah, and Spike and uh, Dozer yeah. run up to try to show them the evidence. Um, breaking line, by the way. Like, seriously mm-hmm. hardcore cutting line, which, fuck that shit. Oh, we kick that kid out in a second. Oh, yeah. Um, but our, our evil uh, Marvin Mouse decides to go into the control room and... Uh, take care of these these fucking crime-solving Olympians once and for all. Oh, yeah. They're putting it into overdrive. The safety has been taken off of the holodeck. <laughs> uh, which, of course, now means that all of these robotic creatures will now be able to kill. You know how, like, uh, in this uh, monster funhouse uh, uh, with uh, dinosaurs that can breathe fu- actual fire... And they're, like, sentient and, like, bent on killing people. Like, it gets fucking weird. You mentioned Dr. Robotnik. I'm pretty sure he was the one involved in making this. So, yeah, these Mr. T has to fight robotic monsters to save the kids. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> what the fuck is this show? I don't know. I don't know. This reminds me of that. Uh, this reminds me of when we got stuck on the Little Mermaid ride. Oh yeah. Um, but if, it, but only instead of us just being stuck there for over half an hour in that one scene, um, if Ursula would just started attacking us with fire, <laughs> like a flamethrower. Um. So yeah, Frankenstein's monster runs at Mr. T. Mr. T uses his own force and momentum against him and throws the monster against the wall, and it just explodes into parts. A dragon, a, a weird monster comes up to Mr. T. Mr. T, like, grabs it by its tail, puts it over his head, s- swings it around like a hurricane and throws it. But the kids are supposed to, like, the monster goes for the kids first. And to get away, Kim jumps up into, uh, is it, I can't remember his name. It's, is it Henry or Harry? 
or either of those. Jeff. She jumps into Jeff's hands because he's like, oh, fuck, the monster. He turns to her, puts his arms out. She jumps up onto his hands and he helps her do a backflip away from where the monster's going to charge. Then he does his own, like, tumble out of the scene. Okay, I guess let's establish that they're gym. And then, then, of course, Mr. T throws the monster into something else. I love the, like um yeah and then he's then he's gonna fight the um the fucking uh fire breathing dinosaur. There was a Medusa that he beheaded with the dinosaurs he's spinning around his oh, head. Oh, that's right, that's that right. Was... Um, so he's fighting the fire and he jumps at it and like he doesn't do anything. He's like, ah, I'm gonna have to use brain instead of brawn. <laughs> <laughs> We're all like, hmm, oh boy. He tries to best it twice physically and he's like, oh, this monster's different. So then he, like, gets the monster to, like, flamethrower the floor, which makes it weak, and the monster just crashes through the floor. Done. So Okay? Now they're, they're, they've made it out of the funhouse, and they're like, boy, that was real weird. Oh, I can't believe that happened. Um, and then uh, Spike's like, listen, guys, um, I told you um, that wasn't an accident. It's fucking Marvin Mouse and Dingy Dog. They're trying to murder us because we're too close to the fucking truth. Um, and they're like, oh, that's bullshit. He's like, no, I've got evidence. Oh, but he lost the scrap of fabric in the fun house. No. Now he doesn't have the proof. Not really proof. <laughs> it's not proof of anything. He found a scrap of fabric. Good luck. That makes you look more crazy, actually. I'm glad see, it got lost. See, this is from Mickey. This is from, sorry, uh, uh, Marvin Mouse's costume. Why do you have a piece of Marvin Mouse? No, he tried to kill me. Huh? Spike, did you rip that off of one of those mascots' outfits? No. Um, this is, this so- is going to cost us more than that time that Woody fucking destroyed her <laughs> rental bike. <laughs> so they decide to go on the super coaster and just basically say, fuck you, Spikes. Get out of the way. Just go eat some kind of candy or something. But now Bad Marvin and um, Den- Denny or Dingy think they have to kill everyone now. It's like if every- everyone has to die or we're going to get caught. So they take explosives and go try to rig up the super coaster to kill the other kids. And Dingy's like, whoa, 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 you can't use a fucking explosive. That'll fucking, that'll wake up the whole park. And Marvin's like, um, it's only a quarter charge. Like, what? <laughs> what are we talking about? It's only a quarter charge. <laughs> the kids are up, they go to the top, and yeah, they blow up part of the section of the roller coaster. So Mr. T has to jump out of the roller coaster while it's going on. Um climb the scaffolding of it and go down and with his bare strength rebend the um the track so it connects so that everyone can live and then he just climbs down the roller coaster he climbs down the roller coaster they're already down there by the time he climbs down <laughs> took him a while he's actually scared of heights yeah it's, he's he's no the rock <laughs> so at this point people are like all right well maybe someone is trying to kill us this is a little too weird Oh, there's a bit it, where um, the mayor comes out and tries to give them ice cream, but she spills it everywhere. God, so much fucking stuff happens in these cartoons. Like it, it's insane. It's insane. Um, so now uh, a Spike and Dozer are like, "Fuck this! We're gonna go get some evidence." So he finds the cave um, in Frontier Town uh, where they're where they're digging. I'm like, all right, what would Mr. T do? <laughs> um, Charge in. Brawn first, brain second if needed. And of course he gets captured. Well, yeah, they fall into like a weird underground like cenote or like river and they eventually, yeah, they get captured. So, um, around this time... Well, wait, there's like an alligator. The alligator eats them. Oh, yeah. But I guess the alligator's animatronic or something? Yeah, it's a submarine. 
it's, it's a submarine? How did I miss that it was a submarine? Oh yeah, that's that's uh, that's how they're uh, that's how uh, Dingy and uh, and uh, Marvin are. Holy shit! How do they have money? The gold isn't going to cover the expense they had just getting it. Yeah, yeah, it's guys. Twist part: Robin and Spike are brother and sister, by the way. And Robin even says, look, my brother's acting weird, but after everything that's happened, I'm beginning to think that maybe they're more than right. We need to find my brother. Um, so like, well, maybe they're, so is this, oh yeah, is this where they go and they, they confront, um, Marvin and Dingy? Like, they just, and like, there's, there's just a Marvin and Dingy, they're signing autographs for kids. Um. Not balloons, mind you, actual, like, autographed photos. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, these kids have figured out how shit works. Um, and and um, Robin's like, what did you do with my brother? Like, oh, was our was your brother here? You know he was. And Mr. G's like, I don't think that's the same Marvin and Dingy, dummy. <laughs> and then, like, I love she, like, apologizes. She's like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it is such a weird moment. <laughs> Again, a scene that ne- doesn't necessarily need to be there at all. They could easily just bypass it, and yet they go to the lengths to make sure that that's in there. Yeah, it is the most awkward, embarrassing, like, apology. Like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I did... Oh, I'm so, so sorry. I And they just kind of wander off. So, the kids... Okay. Mr. T getting a, uh, a, like, a sky lift. Um to look over the park to kind of get a better idea of what's going on. That is also sabotaged because, again, they're trying to get... Thinking them are trying to kill them. Well, they're... they're so, yeah, they're they're taking the Skylift monorail. Um, and, of course, there's announcements like, oh, we're now... We're now traveling over the old... Uh, the uh, still fo- still running uh, gold refinery. Uh, this, is, this is one of the last gold refineries in the area. Um, and uh, there's millions of dollars worth of gold right here next to this theme park. <laughs> and they're like, oh, wait a minute. No, that's gotta be it. And then, of course, they see that um, somebody cuts the power, um, and then their their uh, sky car is uh, trapped. And she's like, "Well, I guess we'll have to jump out." Yeah. So Mr. T and them like rip off some leather straps from inside of this thing to hold on to, and they grip the actual cable the cars are on, and then just swing down, just like glide all the way down to where it is. Mr. T goes first because, of course, the cable's about to snap, so he goes down, finds a chain, and then attaches the chain to the cable so that when it snaps, it doesn't snap as much. Then they decide, okay, look, obviously the way they're going to sneak out this gold is through the parade. We'll just try to infiltrate the parade to help get your brother back and stuff. So, um, they've all... So now they're all wearing mascot costumes to infiltrate the parade. Why? Why are we doing it? I love it. The animators are just having fun, and the writers are oh. just having fun, and I love that. And Mr. T is not happy that he has to wear a bunny costume. And I love that they say, look, it's the only one that would fit you, as though somehow the bunny costume is more embarrassing than the the pig, uh, goat, uh, chicken, or duck costumes. At least the bunny is, like, wearing clothes. I mean, the pig's in, like, a porky pig sailor outfit. He's like a Donald Duck outfit on a pig. The so. bunny is the only one that has any respect. Yeah, he's the only one with pants. Look at him. So, yeah. I, I don't know why Mr. T is particularly embarrassed. I feel like he is the least we- in the least weird costume. 
I think the pig is pro is definitely the most embarrassing costume to be wearing. <laughs> I think the silliest one is the rooster. It just has a weird look to it that's just like, hey, I'm a rooster. Like, I don't, no respect for it either, but it and the pig are the lowest. Well, because the pig is wearing a sailor suit without pants, and it's a pig. I don't know. There's. I mean, I, I feel you, friend. I feel you. It's it's bad. It's it's real bad. So, yeah, the kid and the gold are in the back of the uh, weird dinghy and Mar uh, Marvin or car. Yeah. And, yeah, so antics the, ensue, and there's, the like, plan, a parade chase. The plan is they filled um, the the parade um, car with the gold they've stolen, because they tunneled in and stole it in their alligator submarine. Um, so they've already got the gold, so now they've put it in this parade car, so they're going to, so that's how they're smuggling it out. They're just going to take it the parade, take the, take it out during the parade, and then get away. That easy. Again, very similar to a hurricane heist. Yeah. Where they just drive out in the commotion of the craziness that's the parade. There's a fire truck that the people are on. They're trying to use the ladder to get in and get um, the people, like our detectives, to get uh, Spike and the dog unsuc in unsuccessful. So, then, yeah, there's just like a, a chase of mascots. And at one point, they go through like a, uh, a hat stand. And suddenly, the rabbit has a sombrero. Mr. T's wearing a comically oversized pink sombrero. They end up saving the kid from the, uh, the f like, car that they're trying to get out on, like, the float parade car. And then Mr. T is like, oh, is the kid safe? Great. He goes up and just kicks the front tire of Dingy and Marvin's uh, vehicle, and it just crashes. Yes. Rip off the masks. What? The mayor? What? Shocking. Um, in the last scene where all the kids are around and we're learning our lesson, Mr. T's still wearing the rabbit costume. Everyone else is back in normal clothes. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so Kim takes a photo of Mr. T in his bunny costume, and then it gets deadly serious. <laughs> Mr. T's like, you need to give me that film. <laughs> and she's like, I don't think so, Mr. T. You need to give me that film. And then he chases after her. <laughs> it's like fuck you better just give him the film I mean yeah all my vacation photos are on here well that's what you get for shooting with film yeah it's pretty crazy not as crazy as animators making totally new characters and reanimating all their characters with like cartoon like with mascot outfits again this is a crazy move they run off into the sunset he's chasing them into the sunset well then we go back to the live action part and the kid actually the little kid actually chose the right hand and Mr. T's like, see, sometimes kids know. Little kids still know stuff like big kids do. Okay. You think sometimes somebody doesn't know anything just because they're little? Well, just like Spike. <laughs> just like my friend Spike that I don't want to talk about because of a sad um, thing that happened to him. Uh, sometimes kids know stuff too. Just because they're little doesn't mean they don't know anything. All right? Can you just deal with it already? This is something that a lot of young kids have. They have antimos They have like a negative look view on tiny children. At Joey's daycare, this was weird. They all, every one of the uh, groups of kids on age level had Indian names as their tribe names. Whoa. Uh, the youngest ones were called Sues, and it was a slur to call someone a slew, a, a, a Sue at camp. Because Whoa. young kids don't know what they're doing. Did I tell you guys about how Joey would have rap battles? No. Oh, okay. I mean, miss something. Joey's wanted to have rap battles as recently. So I've been rap battling Joey, where we'll make up raps, like two or three lines, and then we'll go back and forth, back and forth. And in one of them, he's, he called me a Sue. 
To which I was like, Joey, what does that mean? And he's like, oh, you know, like the, the kindergartners at camp, they're called Sues. And I was like, they're called what? Oh, no, Alex, listen, we all have like Indian tribe names. We're Cherokee and they're Sue. And I'm like, so you guys, you guys call each other Sues? He's like, yeah, just tell them like you're the little kid that doesn't know anything. So this is a real thing Mr. T is tackling. Oh. Dude, Whoa. I did the same thing. I, mean, I wasn't really sure what was going on. I'm an Indian too, a Sue. <laughs> but the voice in his, the, the little Joey, just like call it, you're j- nothing but a Sue. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, getting into the rap battle. We'll talk more about rap battles later. It's been, it's been pretty fun. Um, but yeah, that's the episode. Oh. Winners and losers. <sighs> Spike lost? His cartoon heroes were actually thieves. And I think gets... the, the mayor lost. Oh, yeah. All that capering, all that work, all that inside work. Nothing. Like, you were the you were the mayor of Playtown, and you had a, a rock, uh, like a rock-solid scheme to steal gold from the frontier town gold refinery that happens to be just outside the park. And you got you and like, you just couldn't leave these kids alone, and you ended up screwing yourself. Classic. You have a you have an alligator submarine. You know how fun that would be to have just to like tool around in any body of water. Yeah, yeah. I think having a submarine would be fun, regardless. Sure. Got caught up in that gold life. Loser. Who won? Hmm. Ah. Who did win? Not Kim. She's running from Mr. T in a bunny costume because he's gonna open her camera and expose true. all her film. That's very true. Um. Uh, who who could win out of this? God, I don't know. There's no gymnast act other than like the kids dodging stuff. Um, I would say whatever the Mr. T equivalent of Universal Studios is, because oh. they wrecked this theme park. Like, like they destroyed the the uh, um, Monster Funhouse. Um, that rides um down. Um, the roller coaster probably needs repairs now. Um, like. Uh, so there's there's two two major rides that are just donezo. Your gold mine operation, which I'm assuming at least uh, brought uh, a sizable profit to the uh, theme park, gone. So yeah, Universal's looking pretty good now. Well, we don't. Guys, I don't know. We don't know that there's a Universal equivalent. So I guess we have to pick some in the episode. Um, okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Um, God, who did win? Maybe Mr. D because he saved the day. I mean, yeah. For the kids? I guess. But which kid? I mean, Mr. T did a lot of cool stuff. You know what? Yeah, Mr. T does win. Yeah. He fights monsters. He f- saves these kids from a careening roller coaster. He gets an exciting car chase. Yeah. I think he won. And he's going to get that film. He's going to get that film. Don't worry. Oh, he's going to get it. There you go. Yeah, winners and losers. Best dressed, worst dressed? Okay. I have no fucking idea. I Worst dressed... Mayor, maybe? Oh, yeah, the mayor uh, costume is pretty... Um, what about the... What about the pig costume? Pig costume's worst. Pig costume's worst. Well, because also, the outfit the pig costume is wearing, right? It's a vest without pants. Yeah. Can't stand for that. It's a, it's a Donald Duck pig. It's gross. Um, best dressed... I still like um, Robin's outfit, but you can't give it to yeah. her twice. No, it's the same outfit. Um, Mr. I love Mr. T's look, honestly. I, yeah, I'm down for Mr. T, absolutely. Let's give it to Mr. T. There you go. Because he's Mr. T. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Mr. T. That's Ramjack. 
Thank you for listening. It's been great. Um, get at us. You can phone us. You can email us. Go to ramjackpodcast.com to get in to find out how to do that. Facebook group. Um, didn't someone reach out recently about us having a Twitch channel? I know that was a mistake. She meant to send that to somewhere else. Okay. I, know, I was talk- like, I was like, did you mean to send this to us? And she was like, oh, sorry, no. Because I was like, what are you talking about? I think we have mentioned something about Twitch, but not like to a degree like. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Accidental messages are welcome too. It's fine. Hey guys, if you have messages for other podcasts that they may have read on their podcast, send it to us. We'll just say it on ours. <laughs> you want us to start a Twitch channel? I guess that's a thing that could theoretically happen. I mean, like, I don't know, Alex is pretty busy raising some children, and I don't really play video games. But uh, I mean, let's not rule anything out. Is there a Mr. T video game? Well, I, let me know. And if you're some kind of fool that can't even see that your favorite characters are trying to murder you in Frontierland because you didn't get your eyes checked, all I can say is, I pity the fool. It's just jibber jabber. <laughs> we have to watch all of this show. Oh, absolutely. I can't. Like this is like this is a Baywatch Nights level find. Nights. Oh, yeah. Can't wait.